What's up, everything? This week on the Two Guys No Cup podcast, the Blues get a point. We never thought that would be worth opening the show with either, but that's the world we live in. Elsewhere around the NHL, the William Nylander clock is ticking down its final minutes, Ron Hextall's clock is expired, and some poor player on the Devils can't even read a clock anymore because Tom Wilson is an asshole. We've got a busy episode ahead, so let's get started and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys No Cup Podcast. We are coming to you on November 30th, but by the time we're done, it will be December 1st. The Blues have just wrapped up a 3-2 defeat of the Colorado Avalanche, and we are very excited about it, I'm sure. We are coming to you, as always, from our abandoned and unfunded studios in LeBreton Flats, Ontario, where the dreams of even the most dedicated Ottawa Senators fans are slowly dying. Ian, how are you doing tonight? I feel underfunded. <laughs> Excellent. And undeveloped. I'm go- this podcast is going to feel underfunded, I guarantee <laughs> it. Uh, folks, if you're a fan of train wrecks, it is 11.35 Central Time right now as we're starting, so it's going to be a wacky episode, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. So why don't we get right to it? Let's start with some league news, as has become our tradition, shall we? Um, let's return to what we alluded to just 30 seconds ago <laughs> by saying Eugene Melnick, owner of the Ottawa Senators, is a bastard. <laughs> He's a bad person. He's the NHL's Stan Kroenke, except as much as it pains me to admit it, he's not nearly as good at it. Stan Kroenke's a rotten bastard, but he's good at being a rotten bastard. Eugene Melnick, not so good. <laughs> so for those of you who haven't heard the news this week, the uh, NHL and uh, Eugene Melnick has been working with a group in Ontario, where the uh, or in Ottawa, which is also in Ontario, You're right. where the Senators play, um, to build a new stadium in an area of town called Le Breton Flats, which is more central and urban. Which it doesn't, doesn't sound, sound like great. it at all. No, the it flats. sure doesn't. Um, Come on down to the Flats. <laughs> the current stadium, the Canadian Tire Center. I think it's like thirty years old now, or something. Oh, really? I- I just know it's far away. Because they moved there in the 90s, right? And I think it's it's since then. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's also in Kanata, which is a suburb of, um, a bit like a far out suburb of Ottawa and not central at all. Um, the plan is dying and it's all thanks to Eugene Melnick. Um The Ottawa Citizen reports, Behind the scenes, three sources with direct knowledge of the negotiations characterize the major roadblock as Melnick, whose bargaining tactics have bedeviled government reps and those inside Rendezvous, which is the name of the group that he's trying to fund this project with, who have been involved in the talks. No one is quite sure what Melnick's endgame is on Le Breton Flats. The sources said that Melnick has been trying to avoid paying for the arena. The expectations were spectacularly unrealistic, one source says. Um, 
basically the process hasn't worked because, uh, well, but basically because Melnick wants the government to pay for the stadium is the real reason. Mm. The fake reason is that um, Melnick, who is partnering in this rendezvous sports group with a guy named Jim Ruddy, who or John Ruddy, excuse me, who's like a sports hero in Ottawa, um, and brought like the Ottawa Red Blacks back. They're the team in the Grey Cup this weekend, I think, but they're also the CFL team that's been there for five years. Um, Melnick's trying to go mano-a-mano with this guy, and it's not going to work. Um, the mayor of Ottawa, Jim Watson, said, uh, this is a setback and it's a disappointment, a sense of disappointment and also a sense of frustration with the two groups that make up Rendezvous Le Breton. Uh, they have to get their act together, plain and simple. Otherwise, I think we're going to have to move on in January. That meeting, I think, is going to be the most significant of the meetings we've had. We're going to either proceed because the corporate governance structure has been presented and it makes sense, or we'll have to bid adieu and start the process over, which is a pretty straightforward statement from a government official. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, in the wake of everything, in although the deal technically isn't officially over, Melnick has started, uh, has filed a lawsuit against John Ruddy to the tune of $700 million, which, by the way, is roughly the price that John Ruddy was supposed to pay to fund a new arena <laughs> in LeBreton Flats in Ontario. Um Basically, Ruddy is going to win the public opinion battle here Mm -hmm. in a wash. Uh, Melnick wants a free stadium. There's not a chance in hell he's going to get it. The NHL, though they'll never say any of this publicly, is probably furious at Melnick because he really doesn't have to do that much to get this stadium except hold up his very relatively small end of the bargain, and he's not willing to do it. Um Friedman, Elliot Friedman says it's a mistake to frame it as league versus Melnick, but I don't know how else you do frame it. I think we've come to a point where um, this guy just has to be removed Mm -hmm. from ownership. I mean, do you see any other path out of this? I don't know. It's very weird because I think the NHL and Gary Bettman, that's the head of that, the helm of the NHL values franchise value Mm -hmm. they need each franchise to be worth something significant and that's why they put a lot of effort into keeping i suppose i guess phoenix or arizona where they are the coyotes and so if they're gonna bend over backwards to keep the coyotes there a franchise that for sure has less value i would think than ottawa does you would think that they're gonna try and do everything they can to make ottawa as a franchise as a city happy with that franchise too. And that's going to be removing Melnick. I'm sure it's harder than it's, you know, it's easy to say, Oh, get rid of Melnick. I don't know what hoops they have to jump through to get rid of him, Mm -hmm. but it seems like he, he's not going to leave of his own accord. He's just going to drag this franchise through the mud with him until he gets what he wants. Or I don't know. He just sinks the value completely. So I would think they need to intervene pretty soon. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Forbes list, by the way, that ranks the team values, uh, this is last year, admittedly, so not quite when the Senators were in full tank mode, but it had the um, Coyotes in last place valued at $300 million, and it has the 
Senators in 20th place valued at $420 million. See, I wasn't wrong. Um, the Senators are, according to them, making money. They're in the in the black. I almost said in the red. The um, red black. The red black. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well great. done. Great, great, great. Um, but, yeah, it's just so they're not going to let... You know, one of the conspiracy theories is that this is, I guess, Ruddy's attempt or whoever's attempt to try and block Melnick and force him to sell the team at a discounted price. But the NHL's not going to allow that mm-hmm. because, as you said, they've got to keep franchise value up. But I don't know how they can force this guy out, but they have to. He's so bad. And I just... Well, it looks bad trying to force a owner out of a team, it looks worse letting this guy run a run your with franchise the into the back. It looks bad either way. You just have to rip the band-aid off and get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first time he's been a, just a disaster for public relations. Mm-hmm. There was obviously the video that we've made plenty of fun of uh, that you know dropped right at, around the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also when they had the outdoor game oh, there yeah. last year, he had those weird, very public comments about how you can own a McDonald's, but you can't sell a mcdonald's but you could move a mcdonald's but you wouldn't want to but you sure could (laughs) and i don't know it was very strange but the nhl was very much not happy with him for doing for saying those things out loud um yeah i just don't know how long they can afford to keep him there they want a friend they want a franchise in ottawa it's the nation's capital um it's not a very sexy city, really realistically speaking. Mm-hmm. But if they can keep a team alive in Winnipeg, they can sure do it in Ottawa. Um, yeah, I just I think they're going to have to force him out at some point. I don't yeah. think there's any other story to it. Um, we'll certainly have more to say about the Senators in the future. There's no way they're done embarrassing themselves yet. Um Brady Kachuk's doing really well there on the bright side, so good for them. Good for them, good for St. Louis and Brady Kachuk. And Mike McKenna, who won an NHL game earlier this week. Very strange. St. Louis boys. They hugged each other after the win. It was cute. Um, We're both from Chesterfield, (laughs) I said. (laughs) Uh, Also in the NHL news, uh, Stan Bowman is still an idiot. I don't... No, if other people agree with me, I know, in fact, that some other people don't agree with me, but the Chicago Blackhawks made their statement trade by trading Nick Schmaltz, who else, that long and seasoned part of your leadership group, Nick Schmaltz, to the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for Brendan Perlini and Dylan Strom. Uh, Schmaltz, you're going to be floored by this, Ian, is a... Young player in the final year of his entry-level contract. I do not want to pay him. Um, Schmaltz, obviously, we're most familiar with. A very good puck, uh, has very good puck skills and vision, skates well. He He's a pass-first player, but he has sort of an inconsistent effort level. He could be on this team. 
Indeed, with we, his little we tried brother, to draft or with him. his older brother. God, Jordan is the older brother, isn't he? That's embarrassing. Yeah, it has to be. Uh, Dylan Strom is a former third overall pick in 2015. Um, some <laughs> scouts think he'll be great. Some think he's a bust. Uh, he supposedly has fantastic vision and a great shot, but he's not a great playmaker, and he's a bad skater. Um, and then Brendan Perlini is, I don't want to say a throw-in, but he's certainly the also ran in this situation uh he's big he's like 6'3 i think he's a good skater and his puck game is nothing special according to uh cory pronman um what do you think of this trade before i give my thoughts which are decisive <laughs> i know perlini scored on us last year a lot i, I rem- think he looked like friggin' right? a wizard okay that's where i remember this name i'm like this guy for sure scored on us a couple of times uh-huh. okay Perfect. Um, it's just a head-scratcher trade again. Yeah. For the Blackhawks. You don't want to pay a young guy that much money, I guess, when he's coming off of his entry-level deal, but also how much money were you going to have to pay him? Like, not that much, right? Like, Nick Schmaltz wasn't making over six in his next contract. He's probably... I mean, really? He shouldn't be making... He should be making a skosh over five. Yeah. Maybe. That. Like, what What money do you not have for this guy? Maybe I haven't looked at their cap spaces. They just have no money. I thought we no, talked no, about no, this. No, 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 yeah. They have $17 million for next season. Uh, Which, here's the thing about that. Very know, perplexing. I saw an article earlier this week. What's Dylan Strom owed? Anything? Uh, Is he still on his up. ELC? Um, 2015? Yeah, I think he probably would have to okay. be. But let's see. Uh, Strom is, yes, on his ELC and has two years left of it. Uh, I really? Saw, I wow. saw somebody make the point, well, you know, our t- uh, Artemi Panarin is open to a return to Chicago if they're interested. And now they Never, have Artemi. $17 Never. million dollars in cap space. The problem with that that I don't get... Is listen, Artemi Panarin's a good player, a great player. You screwed up by trading him, but why? Like, don't just keep treading the same ground, Stan. Yeah. Move on. It's done. Like, it is done for the Blackhawks in terms of being relevant mm-hmm. as a contender. They've made so many stupid trades to dump cap space. Um, the Henestrosa Hosa trade, the Nicholas Jalmerson trade with these. All of these with just the coyotes. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? I don't know. Is John Chaka just like Stan Bowman's best friend? I guess. Stan's probably like paying half his salary just to keep the guy paying just his rent. Buy him some chicken nuggies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just not uh, all in one bite. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it from their perspective. Uh, to me, what you're doing is you're trading. A player who is already a great young player mm. before extending him, and you're trading him for two people that might mm. become good young players. I think Dylan Strom has a higher ceiling, but he's not even close he's to reaching He's got a higher it. ceiling, but he could also just be a total bust. Oh, no, he's way below Nick Schmaltz currently. Yeah. So I don't know what the gamble Like, I know what the gamble is, but why take it? Yeah, exactly. That, to me, is like... You're right. He's shooting for the like, moon. He's trying to get this team back relevant real quick, and it's not going to happen, dude. Like, here's a question. And Robbie Fabry hasn't been great, so it's not a 
a perfect mm-hmm. comparison, but would you trade Robbie Fabry right now for Jesse Puglia Yarvi of the Edmonton Oilers who can't even oh, get no. consistent NHL playing time? I wouldn't do that. Mm-mm. And I would probably trade Robbie Fabry for Nick Schmaltz. So. I, was just about to, I thought that's what you were going to ask. I'm like, yeah, I'd trade Robbie Fabry for Nick Schmaltz. So, I don't. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's just kind of a desperation. It's it's hail mary. Like if you're going to trade Nick Schmaltz, get real prospects. Mm-hmm. Get somebody's actually really good prospect. You like you could get a, a Nick Suzuki level guy, probably for Nick Schmaltz, mm-hmm. and you know obviously not him because the Canadians just got him. But like a, whoever, whoever Cody Glass, somebody in that level of good but not world beating prospects. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's ever. I don't think Stan Bowman's going to try and like rebuild ever. Right. Because you have Kane and you have Taves, and those guys are going to float this team to like just semi relevant to the point that he's always going to be like, hey, just a few pieces here, a few pieces there. We got Kane and Taves. As long as we got Duncan Keith, we'll we'll try and catapult this team with a few little pieces to get in the playoffs, and we're golden. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's ever going to work, and yeah. I don't think they're going to rebuild till they get rid of. Stan Bowman. Yeah. I really don't think so. Unless they crater, but they're not going to crater because they still have Taves and Kane. Right. I mean, they'll get good picks. I mean, the only thing that can maybe fix them is if they win a lottery. Yeah. They're never going to be bad enough to just be in a lottery spot. Mm-hmm. But they could just, you know, when the NHL decides that their ball needs to fall near the top. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it just it doesn't make much sense to me overall. It's just, I, I, and the other thing I'm starting to wonder that I tweeted about at the time is like, is Stan Bowman a good GM? Stan Bowman inherited Corey Crawford, Kane, Taves, Seabrook, and Keith. Mm-hmm. All five of those people were there. Dale Talon brought them in. When he got there, they were already players in the system. I don't know that there's a lot of evidence that Stan Bowman is a good GM. The answer is obviously he's won three cups. Mm. The entire core was assembled for him already. You know, mm-hmm. if when when um, Shirelli is fired, yeah. If and let's say Edmonton gets a great pick this year, which they probably will because they suck. When Hughes, when Shirelli is fired, let's say they do get Jack Hughes, and they have Hughes and McDavid, and if the next guy wins cups, at basically on the back of Hughes and McDavid, how can you like credit him? I just don't get it. And so when I think about, you know, a lot of people this week have been calling for Armstrong's head, and I get it, and like my. Confidence in Armstrong is dwindling somewhat. Mm-hmm. But when I see people who are like, I've always said he's a bad GM, he's been a terrible GM, and now other people are coming to where I've always been, mm-hmm. I just think you're out of your mind. I just think you are out of your mind if you think that. Well, no one thought he was a bad GM this summer. Yeah, exactly. So a lot go. of people are doing revisionist history where it's like, I was saying this even back then. And I'm like, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. Because I can go back and find the tweets and you weren't <laughs> saying it back then. Once it's on the internet, it's there forever. On the internet. Um, I can't think of any potential transition from the internet to Ron Hextall. So let's just go there. there. It is. Perfect. Um, the Flyers shocked, I would say shocked. 
the NHL world by firing general manager Ron Hextall this earlier this week. Um, it feels like all these things happened right after we last recorded because we just last recorded on Sunday. <laughs> and so it feels like a long time ago, but it's not. Uh, Hextall is not the problem. <laughs> but the Flyers took a page out of the Titanic's book, and they decided to just run straight into the iceberg. Um, <laughs> Heikstall's like a former Flyer who bleeds orange and black, all that. They did not fire Dave Hackstall, who might be the problem. Um, they're... I don't know. They're planning to replace him. Do you want to tell people who they're planning to replace oh, him yes. with? They're planning to replace Ron Hextall with former Wild GM Chuck Fletcher. That and was my bad drum roll sound. Yeah, as I just ran over it. What a dumb idea. <laughs> what a just absurdly stupid idea. The guy was okay for the Wild. I'll say that. He was okay. And that alone should be, don't want him. Like, why? What did he ever do for the Wild? The Dubnik trade. That's it. The Dubnik trade. And that was... Not, I give him credit for that, but he was way more lucky than good on Mm -hmm. that one. He had no reason to believe. You can't possibly tell me he thought, I'm getting a franchise goaltender with this trade. Mm -hmm. He thought, I need something to stop some pucks right now. Oh, it was, I mean, how many different teams was Dubnik on before he got to the Wild within like a year and a half? A bunch. Yeah. He was on Montreal, I think. He was with uh, Arizona, Is I think, Is that who they traded moment. from? I don't even know. I think there was a third team in there, too. Wasn't he a, wasn't he a predator for, like, a hot I second? Think so. I yeah, think Yeah, so. that dude was all over the place. This was just the fifth team he was with, and he was like, you know what, for this team, <laughs> I'll be the goalie. I look weird enough to fit in in Minnesota. Yeah, oh, 100%. From Regina, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Nashville, and Arizona. You were correct. Damn. In his bio, in his Wikipedia page, it's Edmonton is one heading, Minnesota's another heading, and then the middle heading is Nashville, Montreal, and Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That guy's like, what, how old is he? Like 33? 33 now. Wow, 32, man, excuse me. I'll tell you what, I know a lot about Devin Dubnik. <laughs> um, where's, where's he from? Regina, Saskatchewan? Got it. Where was he picked? 14th overall? <laughs> Got, Got it. it. I knew it. He's like... 32. He was 14th overall? Wait, what? Yeah. Would you be like, can I interrupt for just a second? If the if the Blues were picking, let's say somewhere between 8th and 16th, <laughs> and they picked a goalie, would you be like kind of pissed? Oh, I'd be very angry. <laughs> I'd be super angry. When in reality, goalie has been our big problem forever. Yeah. But still. You, just, you can never trust... Young can't, I just I can't even trust a goalie when they're playing even, for us and well. I'm just scared. Even Devin Dubnik, it took like six NHL stops to get to mm. relevance. He was like okay in Edmonton, then it, he like sank the ship and mm. went elsewhere. And then they're like, oh, I guess he's okay for the Wild. So what are we at? Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> Devin Dubnik trade, that's about it. He traded Brent Burns away. I mean, he signed Sutter and, and Parise. But... I mean, that's good that they have him. They're shitty contracts, yeah, but it's awful. good that they have them. 
Uh, they had Danny Heatley for a hot second, and I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Remember yeah. when they had Danny Heatley and Devin Setaguchi? I don't even remember who they traded for one or the other. Brett Burns was for one of them, and then one of them was like Set- Martin Havlat. I want to say Setaguchi sure. to the Sharks? No, Brent Burns is... Well, they got... No, they traded oh, yeah, Havlat yeah, yeah, yeah. and Burns in like two separate trades, and then they got Heatley and Setaguchi back. Setaguchi was definitely a Shark for a while. Yeah, so. and so for like a year, they were like, ooh, this is a hot team. Man, Minnesota's always for like a quick second, like that's a hot team, and then they do nothing. I think they've got this to is, the second round like twice. This is the general manager who stuck with Mike Yo oh, for five go. years. And let's wipe away the five straight years of identical <laughs> hot start, rough winner, hot finish early exit like friggin clockwork it was with that guy during that period you'd be red hot start january you'd lose like nine or ten games in a row you'd be right back to red hot and then you'd lose in the playoffs (laughs) every year but then it took him 14 games in which they won one One game to fire him one eleven and two what what i want to know is what was it about the 14th game oh my god (laughs) it makes no sense at least when we fired yo like as much as we should have done it sooner at least it was like oh you just got shut out by the worst team in the league on home ice by a nobody backup goalie right yeah it wasn't like eh tonight sure whatever I just... He lost. <laughs> you looking at Yeah, <laughs> I've saved this in my phone. <laughs> he lost five games in a row. Then they won a game. Then they lost a game. Then they lost a game in OT. They lost three more games, lost a game in OT, and lost two more games. They could have fired him after the first five game losses. They should have fired him right after they won, and then they lost again. They should have fired him... After, like, the loss after the original OT loss. Like, there were so many times they should have fired him the loss before the loss they fired him. I have no idea. It was a 4-2 loss. It wasn't even, like, a fucking blowout. It was just a regular run-of-the-mill. They've seen it before. None of these were. Holy crap. So, I mean, that's almost more embarrassing. They just kept losing normally. (laughs) Yeah, so that's Chuck Fletcher for you. That's the guy that the fly... That's the only name I've heard that the Flyers are looking at. I'm sure they've like looked at a few other people. No, that's the only Chuck, it's that's the only name I've heard. Chuck Fletcher. If you're a Flyers and fan, the, I'd like I don't know, lock your windows and throw away the key or something because I'd be trying to leap the hell out. This is the other thing about, it, and I'm not a, I'm really not an Armstrong defender. He needs to sharp. He needs to smarten up. <laughs> he needs to smarten up and make this team better. But, um. You fire him, it is a friggin' crapshoot. It is an absolute crapshoot that you improve upon him. And I would say the chances are slim that you do. Maybe you fire him and promote Bill Armstrong. But that's the same regime, so you're not really getting a change there. I like Bill Armstrong. He's an incredible player development overseer. We have... Really phenomenal drafts most yeah, of the time. Yeah, but play but to like, his strengths and let him stay there. Stay there, yeah, exactly. And then if you fire him and hire him outside the organization, you're looking at 
Peter Shirelli when he's fired? That oh. dude's getting another look somewhere. Somebody's going to be the team that said it was really the guys. It was really Kate's. It wasn't Shirelli's fault. It was ownership. <laughs> you know it. You know oh. it. Do you want that to be us? So to oh, finish he up. Traded, he traded Phil Kessel away. He traded... Um, this is Shirelli. He traded uh, Sagan away, uh-huh. and then he traded Hall away. Oh my God! Don't no one hire that man. Oh my God! I don't care if it was everyone behind the scenes. There's like smoke. There's like a smoking gun. Yep. Just like leave the dude alone. <laughs> Anyways, I just to finish up with the Flyers, they don't have a goalie. That's Mm-mm. the problem. The goalie they do have who is bad is Brian Elliott, and he's not healthy. So they really don't have a goalie. That is the problem with this team right now. They have a phenomenal goaltending prospect not far away from the NHL. They have a pretty good farm system. I think ranked 13th by Corey Promman, buoyed by the two guys they got in first-round picks with for the Braden Shin trade, which, by the way, was a win-win. Mm-hmm. We definitely didn't lose that trade, but the Flyers definitely didn't either. They have Claude Giroux and Jacob Voracek. They have Ivan Provorov and Sean Gustis there. They even got Nolan Patrick some crazy how. I forget he's over they there. They are in perfect position to win when they solve their goaltending problem. This is not Ron Hextall's fault. And it's just a weird scapegoating decision to say that it is. It's very weird it's to fire a GM mid-season. mid-season. Yeah. And now they're going to replace him on the fly. Oh uh, yeah, that which seems just way is a too recipe quick. Recipe for disaster. Yeah. You are rewriting how your entire organization thinks and is structured. I think a big difference too like you said to go off that point like when you move when you move on from a gm hire a new gm it's not like the coach where you hire a new coach and they kind of install a different system and there's a different feel and that's the only difference a new gm is like you almost know there are going to be trades now yeah. because they said we didn't like what the old guy did we like what you're gonna do because you pitched us something now you have to do it now like you have to immediately do it. yeah and so like within the next year Chuck they're Fletcher's going to make some dumbass move. They're going to do something effing crazy <laughs> for a goaltender. I guarantee uh, it. It'll be like Morgan Frost for Ryan Miller. It will be insane. Oh, no. And we're all just going to sit by and watch the world burn. Um, speaking of worlds that are burning to the ground, let's talk about Toronto before we move to our own hot, burning neck of the woods. <laughs> the Toronto... Uh, I really was going to say Argonaut. The (laughs) Toronto Maple Leafs, led by general manager Kyle We Can and We Will Dubas, have not yet settled with William Nylander on a contract for the 2018-19 season, which is significant because the deadline is now, um, as we're recording this, it is... 17 hours away. Uh, when you hear this, it will probably be less than 12. Um, he's not staying there. It's over. The yeah. goose is cooked. <laughs> Trade him. Let him sit. Sign him. William Nylander is not going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf for the foreseeable future. 
Uh, Elliot Friedman said, I think on Tim and Sid, he said, one thing I do believe no matter what happens is that this will be William, William Nylander's final season as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Whether he signs or whether he doesn't sign, this is going to be it. And even if he does sign, I think Toronto trades him by the draft at the latest. Um, we've been saying this all along. I think. I'm not trying to pat us on the back. But there, there came a point where in these negotiations where the idea that he was just going to sign an eight-year contract or even a five- to seven-year contract mm-hmm. and just happily stay with this team was out the window. Yeah. And they've let it get all the way to the deadline. So now they have to make some stupid decision. They either have to pay him a lot of money to sign a one-year deal just to play for them the rest of the season. They have to trade him at the last minute so that they have lost a lot of negotiating power. Or they have to let him sit for Mm -hmm. the entire season. And then he's traded like a thousand percent of that. Oh, a hundred. A billion percent. Yeah. Yeah. what are your thoughts on this? Before I, I give any thoughts, I don't want to railroad you. What do you think? Well, like you said, I think it definitely he's getting moved. Even if they sign him last second to a one-year deal, two-year deal, three-year deal, something like that tomorrow, he's getting moved. They, this happens all the time whenever someone holds out, like a big player. When Subban holds out, Subban, Subban, and uh, O'Reilly held out, you had someone that was on their team for a year or two, and then they got moved again because it's just, it's business, but it's also Everybody kind of bad blood business. It's, not, it's just business. Nobody's in the wrong. Nobody's Somebody gets right. butt hurt in business. It's then not, yeah, it's not yeah. true. So, and I don't, this I don't is, blame anybody. I would too, but I'm just saying they always, like you said, they always say it's business, but then I guess it's just business that they're pissed off when they move somebody. And you just know that, I guess, they're holding it over their head. They don't want to feel like, this player beat me. This player beat us. This player's bigger than this team. We're not, especially in hockey, we're not about that. So they got to move the guy. The problem with it is, William Nylander has now gone through... Let's not even talk about the whole year they probably spent negotiating last year. Mm -hmm. He has gone through since July 1st. What is it? Five months now? Four months? Mm-hmm. Of however often they've been in contact, Toronto saying, you're only this valuable to yeah. us. And him saying, I think I'm this valuable to anyone. And they've never bridged that gap. And how can you just go sit there, whatever you sign for, at this point, whatever is signed, there is a queer winner and a queer loser. Mm-hmm. We know enough about where roughly the figures are to say, oh, you know, let's say he does sign a long-term thing, which I don't think he will. He'll be traded either way. But let's sign, say he does sign a long-term thing. We can say, oh, he signed for eight at $6.8 million. Nylander caved. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, he signed for six at $7.3 million. Dubas caved. It's cut and dry. We know, we know exactly what it'll be. And so I, there's just no tenable relationship there. I think when you are an athlete, you do have the psychological maybe awareness and background to be like, there's going to be a value put on me, mm-hmm. a num- you know, a dollar value put on me. But I do think 
even if you try to remove yourself from that. I mean, it happens in regular life with people. You go for a renegotiation of how much you make a year, and you're like, this is no big deal, it's just how much I make. And then someone says, well, I think you're 50K. And you're like, uh, I think I'm like 60K. I bring a lot to the table. And they go, I know, but I think that's 50K. You might say that's fine, like, in, you know, outside, but internally you're like, you know. But you're also pulling up Indeed.com yeah, as you're soon kinda, as you get back. You're kind of pissed because you're like, I don't think you understand what I bring to this organization. And that's what happens here on like a much larger, more, you know, bigger, more, 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 more money scale. Yeah. And the thing about it is, look, they made the decision to go get John Tavares. I don't think it was a good decision. I didn't think it was a good decision then. So I don't think I'm trying to be revisionist history. Ron, Randy, (laughs) Rhonda. (laughs) Rhonda. Um, (laughs) Rodan. They made that decision. I understand why they did. He's a phenomenally talented player who's from the area. You had a chance to sign him. I get that. That made William Nylander the fourth most important forward on their team. I have seen a lot of people, heard a lot of people say, well, if he wants to win cups, he should just sign and be happy to be the fourth most important player on his team. Why would he be happy to be that? He Mm -hmm. was part of a young core... Here's what happened. Here, if I'm William Nylander, here's how I think about it. I was maybe the third, but I was an equal part of this awesome young trio of players. Yeah. Marner, Matthews, Nylander. Then John Tavares comes along, and he's buddy-buddy with Matthews, and he's buddy-buddy with Marner, and I'm not here because I'm negotiating a contract and now this is his team and it's their team and it's not my team anymore there's no place for me here Mm -hmm. so i can sign here for less money than i think i'm worth and be unhappy or i can sign and be a tertiary part or i can sign with another team be the centerpiece and be given the respect i deserve he doesn't have the bargaining chip to just leave and say okay I'm signing with Carolina, let's say, whoever wants him. But he can still do everything in his power to make that happen, and I just think that's the point we've reached. I want to talk about Kyle Dubas for a minute, because I know he's the golden boy. You have one minute. Here's the thing. I'm 27 years old. Um, So old. There's stuff I know now that I didn't know when I was 21 years old. A lot of stuff. I know what it's like now to call an insurance company when you've been rear-ended. I know, I'm not going (laughs) to sit here and think of examples, but there's just stuff you just learn by living life. I don't want to be the guy that says he's too young to be a GM. That's not really the point I'm making. But it was not smart of him to come out and say, we can and we will sign these guys. With just a touch of cocky, Mm -hmm. you know, arrogance. Oh, like, yeah, we'll get it done. That was stupid. Because (laughs) it gave William Nylander a lot of negotiating power that he didn't have before. When he hadn't said that, the Nylander camp couldn't say, Kyle, your reputation's on the line here too, buddy. You know, Mm -hmm. because he had a lot more freedom to not to make whatever decision he wanted to. Yeah. He sort of backed himself into a corner. And I just, 
It's not a great first move. I guess Tavares was the first move. It's not a great second move. And I know there's a lot of confidence that Kapanen is just going to sign for a, ma- a manageable amount and Marner's not going to want the money that he deserves after this season and he'll just sign for a manageable amount. I don't know where the confidence comes from. Honest to God, I don't because it's been blown all to hell with Nylander. Yeah. That's Toronto for you, I guess. That's a good point. If you're one of these other players, you know you can just kind of sit pat and be like, this is my number. Matthew. Are you gonna are you gonna really let me man, if you were a hard ass, you'd be Marner, you go, here's my number. Are you gonna let me just sit like Nylander did and be gone? Is that the plan or are you gonna give me my money? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Matthews is gonna make his money. He's just yeah. gonna make the dollar figure he quotes pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, if you're Marner, if you're Kapanen, I'm playing it out. Yeah. You pay me the money I deserve. Or you can trade me wherever you traded Bill, because he'll be gone by that point. Oh, man. You're right. I never thought about it like that. It this could is, be a this disaster could be for this team. <laughs> and I'm not rooting for it. I don't really have angst against yeah, Toronto. It'd be fun, though. But it would be fun. And we'll see how it plays out. We'll know for sure what's well. We'll know uh, if he's signed or unsigned at the very least by next podcast. What do you think? You really, I mean, obviously you think he's not going to be signed. From all of your ramblings. I think he's not going to be signed. I think he will play in Europe this year. And won't sign. He'll make some money to play in Europe. Yeah. He'll survive, all, and by some <laughs> money, I mean high six figures minimum, probably. I would Five, six hundred thousand francs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And he'll get traded by the deadline, or by the draft at least. I just... Do you think William Nylander plays another game in a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey? No. That's... Here's the thing. It's weird to me. Like, I can see a world where he signs. Yeah. But I can't see a world where he just skates onto the ice and plays as William Nylander. So, yeah. I don't know. I think it's over. Um, Speaking of things that need to be over, Tom Wilson's NHL career... He is a criminal. He's a criminal that instead of selling drugs or committing murder, kills people on the ice. (laughs) I don't want to talk about this much because we don't have a lot of details. You've all probably seen the video. It was a phenomenally dirty hit to me. To me, it looked worse than the Sunquest hit in some ways. The guy's back was to him, and he just plowed right through him. I didn't mean to rhyme there, but sometimes it just happens. Listen, <laughs> when the back is doing you, plow right through it. Listen <laughs> Tom to this piece of shit quote. Is that what your eyes are getting wide Did about? Did you say Todd Reardon? Yeah, like their coach, the head coach. Of, Holy yes. moly! You <laughs> Did were, you not know so, that no. earlier? <laughs> so Stephen was listening to this on his on your laptop, uh-huh. and I just heard the guy's voice, and I guess I've never heard Todd Reardon speak before. But that also sounded like some weird blogger. Yeah. No, that just sounded like some it dude that was... like a weird computer nerd, for sure. Wow. Yeah, he looks like a That was the coach. Nerd. Go ahead, read this. <laughs> this, is ridic- this is absolutely ridiculous to me. He says, I'm having... This was a longer, much longer quote than this, by the way. But I'm having a really tough time with this one. Because he isn't even intending to make a hit. It's incidental contact. Like, the guy's doing everything he can to try to play 
play the right way, and this is how things are happening. So this is why I thought this was like a joke, because mm-hmm. I thought it was just some dude, like a blogger. It's like, oh, I'll do like a little joke, and I'll say, oh no, Tom Wilson is doing his best not to hit anyone, but like really, obviously he is. But this was their coach. Yes, this was their head coach in the press conference. He needs to issue a retraction tomorrow. That's he so won't. Bad. He won't, but the description he made of this play wasn't even remotely what happened. So my hope for him is that he only saw it in live action and he didn't really see it and he didn't get a chance to watch the replay back and this was the best description he could give. Mm-hmm. Because he made he just I mean he just flat out lied. He Wilson was clearly trying to make a hit. He said, at some point he said Wilson tried to get out of the way, which he skates a straight line through another human being. I don't know how you try to get out of the way, but usually there's some sort of movement. I like how he's like, get out of the way, but he's the one moving. Like, the other guy is not moving, and he's like, I tried to get out of the way of the stationary man in front of me. He didn't try to stop. He didn't try to move. He didn't try to do anything to protect this human being. He just plowed through him. I'm so. What's the player's name? I don't want to. Talk oh, I don't even him. remember. Saney or something. I, I think. But anyway, um, yeah, it's just. What's weird to me, and maybe you can tell me because I'm not as involved with other sports. But like, if someone makes like a really boneheaded hit in Brett, the NFL, Brett Sinney. Okay. If someone makes a boneheaded hit in the NFL, does, like, the whole team just defend them, or do they just kind of go, oh, I really don't know. They kind of do that, I don't know. Because in This ho- whole team defends them. No, but because in hockey... It would be... It seems oh, like in the NFL. Yeah, in oh, the NFL. Okay. But, like, in, ho- in hockey, they they'll say, like, I don't know what happened, or yada yada. But, like, in hockey, they seem to, like, bend over backwards for some guys. Like, no, 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 it's no big deal. I'm like, I hate that about this hockey culture crap. They really... They're talking about this dude like he's the one being like attacked. Like somehow people are out for Tom Wilson. I'm like, Tom Wilson is out for blood. Tom Wilson's out for people's heads. Like no one's out to get Tom Wilson. This is all Tom Wilson's doing. And the fact that last time when he hit Sunquist in the face and like scarred him for life, and they had like TJ Oshie and these guys would be like, it's a witch hunt or whatever the hell they said, you know, they're why are they going after poor old Tom Wilson? Be like, did you watch the game? Like, are you staring at the back of your visor or something? Somebody tweeted us, by the way, that this was his second objectionable hit of the game. I didn't see the first one. I believe her (laughs) a thousand percent. Doesn't seem like a stretch. um, Coach Voldemort didn't say much about it. (laughs) The the devil's head coach, whose name is what, John Hines? Yeah. Um, Said, I thought the refs made. I thought the refs made the right call. <laughs> Perfect. I'm sure the league will take care of it. It's. We'll get Ray Fines on here. The fix puck that up. was gone by. I will be conservative and say one and a half seconds. It was probably over three, but just to be on the safe <laughs> side, I will say one and a half. The player's back was turned. Even yeah. he was bent. Over at the waist. The elbow wasn't... Oh, it was an elbow, by yeah. the way. That was so the, the back of, of his head. It might have hit mostly shoulder, but it was right through that area. It's an illegal hit. And Even if he hits him in the numbers, it's illegal. Right to the... Right face to the ice. It's... He... What do you do? If you're... Here's the other question. If you're Shyam Das, I think that's the guy's name, who's the... 
arbitrator that oh, reduced yeah, yeah. his suspension. If he walks back up to you, at the, at some point, don't you even have to say, "Well, dude, I can't help you." Yeah, like you're too stupid for the legal system to save you. Yeah, like you fucked up again, dude. I can't stop you on the ice. I can't, like. Well, like you said to me before we recorded, if he even plays like ninety five percent of the way he plays and just takes that five percent out of where he's like literally taking his elbow into someone's cranium. <laughs> Then then he plays a rough game. People don't like him because he's Antoine Roussel or whatever. And that's it. Brad, but he does, always goes the one step further. He's like, I'm just going to plant this pointy part and the round part. Brad Marchand is a psychopath. He is insane. <laughs> he licks people for fun. Sounds and like Steve he Ott. doesn't approach this level of dirty play. He doesn't come close to it. Tom Wilson is a sociopath. He does not care about anyone else. He doesn't care about his teammates. If he gave half a damn about his teammates, he'd stop doing this so he could play for them. Yeah, but he's semi-attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I... I that's my tinfoil hat theory. I think they're like, yeah, but he doesn't look like a freak. Oh, that's all your, that's like his defense. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm semi-attractive. <laughs> yeah. Like he lays out on his side and they go, okay, 20 games for you, you scamp. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how the, I really, I'm at a loss for how the league will handle You got to toss him for the rest of the season, The right? hit might not be as bad as the Sunquist hit. How many games has he been back? Eight? Eight max, I would think. Yeah, I'm not double digits. Cause what what how many games are we at? Mm, what did we what's our record right now? We're nine, twelve, and three. So that's twenty four. Let's say they have two more, that's twenty six. He came back in game seventeen. So at most it's game nine. Boom. You, <laughs> The bloodlust came back. He couldn't stave it off. He's he's broken. He is a broken human being. And he needs, like... I don't want to get too dramatic, but he should consider, like, psychotherapy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe, but I just, like... I don't want to get too dramatic. He should consider counseling of some sort. Shock therapy. (laughs) He should consider a frontal lobotomy. (laughs) I don't want to get too dramatic. I don't want to get too dramatic. He should consider throwing the refrigerator through the window and escaping the whatever health ward that he's on. No, no cuckoo's nest readers out there. Okay. Um, but yes, I he need something's going on. We'll talk about sure. it more next week because hopefully we'll have news on an actual suspension. But just. I mean, it's just unforgivable. I do, uh, how you can let him back on the ice. They will. I mean, they definitely yeah. will. But how they can, knowing that he'll do it again. Like, if the 20 games didn't wake you up, you're not getting woke up. <laughs> yeah, ain't woke. <laughs> I just don't understand it. He's getting paid. He's willfully sacrificing millions of dollars at a time now. Ah, oh, man. I just. Yeah, I don't get it. I can't put my brain in that brain. Let's move on to the boys. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex Steen was back. He was 
More on that later. For a period. Rob- <laughs> <laughs> no. No, bad Ian. For those of you that don't oh, no. know, we won't explain. Yeah, it's not it's good. A particularly gruesome Darren Fang blunder from a few years ago. No, last year. <laughs> we wish it was further away. Uh, we sure do. Robert Bortuzzo is back. Uh, Nikita Soshnikov was waived but cleared. I was surprised he was cleared. Mm-hmm. I, uh, and national pundits were too. I so. think people saw what team was trying to waive him or was trying to clear him down the AHL and they were like, if that team doesn't want him, <laughs> we don't want him. If that team doesn't take Nikita Soshnikov. He must be crap. Um, you want to talk about Jimmy Howard for a minute? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Let's get wild. He had a pretty good game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so reports broke a Tuesday night from Darren Drager, Darren Drager on Insider Trading on TSN, which is Canadian ESPN, which means it's got more hockey and more maple syrup. Darren Drager reported that the Blues were paying considerable attention to Jimmy Howard, the 34-year-old netminder of the Detroit Red Wings, who's an unrestricted free agent after the season. Um, Doug Armstrong flew up early to attend the game they played on Monday night before our Wednesday night tilt, uh, reportedly to scout Howard, although underreported in this was that it was also a game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who also have a pending unrestricted free agent goaltender who they also aren't expected to sign. (laughs) So uh, we'll see about that. But anyway, Army was there for both the Howard game against Columbus and presumably the one against us. Um, Drager said, now to acquire Howard, it's going to come at considerable cost. He laid out that while the Blues don't have a first-round pick, they do have a number of high prospects, including the two he named being Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, that they could trade in such a deal. Your thoughts, Ian Peters? No. <laughs> um, if we didn't give Jordan Cairo or Robert Thomas up in a trade for Ryan O'Reilly, that was off the table that was constantly told to us that they were off the table, no, not a chance in hell. There's no way either of them are going to be in a trade for less than a year guaranteed of Ron Howard. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to, that's our new gimmick, different yeah. name anytime. So yeah, here's what I think. If you can make a trade for Dwight Howard... <laughs> Obviously, the goal of the trade is primarily you'd be getting rid of the uh, Allen contract and just starting fresh in goal. To me, if you can do that and trade Sammy Blay, Jake Wallman, I don't know, somebody on of that oak, I'd do it because you get rid of that contract. We can talk separately, angry Armstrong people, and we should, about how that contract should never have been signed and he can't afford to keep giving up assets to get rid of contracts. I agree with all that. But independent of that, if you can get rid of that contract and start fresh in net, great. And I realize, listen, I realize Jake Allen has been red hot lately. I just think those of you that are really excited about that have an extremely (laughs) short memory when it comes to Jake Allen. I love you. I care for you deeply, but that's kind of Jake Allen's shtick. 
Yeah. Consistency, not his strength. Hot streaks and cold streaks are his strength. <laughs> that's like his, that's his thing. That's his bread and butter. Hot and cold, bread and butter. So if you can do that, dump the contract. You have the freedom and flexibility then to rely on Huso more next season, to re-sign Howard for a year or two, to pursue Varlamov or Bobrovsky in free agency, or to pursue some other trade. A lot of, all the options in the world are open to you if you get rid of Jake Allen. Mm -hmm. As long as you have Jake Allen, you have to use Jake Allen because (laughs) you don't have the money to have him back up a goaltender you're paying more money to. Unless Huso was just exploding in San Antonio and ready to take the next step, then you could maybe afford it. But you can't, so I'm all for it if you're resetting the goaltender, but it can't cost anywhere near Kyru or Thomas. Like you said, that's just lunacy, and I'm mm-hmm. kind of shame on Darren Dreger for reporting. Yeah, like, come on, dude. You can't, like... That dude's a used car I get, salesman. I get that D. the Red Wings... I've never really loved him, but I get that the Red Wings are going to demand... Kyrie yeah, as or you Thomas, should. The same way Bottero at some point certainly demanded Kyrie or Thomas. You're not getting them. So if you're a reporter who's reporting that, you should at least be, it'll come at considerable cost, but not that much cost. Yeah. Anyway. Um, just a couple of notes on the coaching search. I, I really want to get through this pretty quickly. Best um, of luck to Blanche Willis Howard. <laughs> You're just looking up. Look, I looked up famous Howard surnames, and she's an American sure, author that died in 1898. I sure so do love go. that Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, you got me. <laughs> um, I wouldn't have ever thought of it if you hadn't done a B double name Howard. <laughs> uh, Joel Quinville. So this, these are notes from the Blue Line podcast, which is Jeremy Rutherford's new podcast with Cristiano Samanetti, and it I'm certain sucks. they stole their name from someone. So one of you out there, that's why you take a mildly PG-13 podcast name like our own, because beloved but milk toast Jeremy Rutherford is never going to steal it. We know you're listening, Jeremy, yeah. and we adore you, seriously, more than words can express. But you're not going to name yourself Two Guys No Cup, yeah. because only jabronis <laughs> would do that. So. He's not going to talk about balls <laughs> and other R-rated things. (laughs) Fucking. There, I said it. And fucking. Okay, so they made the point. Joel Quinville is the obvious choice. They also say Sheldon Keith is a name that's out there, as is DJ Smith, an assistant coach with the Maple Leafs. Um, They they emphasized the point. Can you imagine if that was your coach? Just doesn't sound right. No. Um, Armstrong isn't getting two more coaches in the next four years. By the way, they said during this that he's being paid as a top five GM in the league. <laughs> it's like we like Doug Armstrong generally, but top not five in the top league? five for doing what? For winning the cup? Oh, wait. No. Are there five active GMs that have won cups? I bet there are. Yeah. Whoever's in the place. <laughs> Whoever's in Washington. Jim Rutherford. Whoever's in Pittsburgh. Stan Bowman. Sam Bowman. George McPhee didn't win one. No. Lou Lamb had to win one somewhere, right? The Devils, yeah. Okay. There's got to be another one. Anyway. We get them. 
Um, Not Chuck Fletcher, that's for sure. <laughs> Stinky bozo. But also, the other note I took from that is if they can pay Doug Armstrong top five GM money, I don't want to hear any more of this, but Quinville's too expensive for them. Uh, oh, that never made sense to me. If he's the best coach out there, just pay him the money he wants. Don't like, be stupid. Here's the thing. If you have to pay Joel Quinville the money and stay $2 million below the salary cap when it increases next year, fine. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Just tell me you're doing that and I'll be fine with it. Um, they do think Quinville is going to take his time, though they made the point, and I wanted to make this point earlier, he could take his time and be ready to go after the holidays. It might not be. When was the last time Joel Quinville just got to relax over Christmas with his family, you know? So it might be still (laughs) possible. Um, he does think, JR does think the Blues would be a possibility. Uh, they said about Elaine Vigneault, if he's their guy, he's out there, he'd already be here, which I kind of agree with. Like, they yeah. just, nothing is blocking them from signing Elaine Vigneault. They asked if we'd be interested in Todd McClellan. Um, they had to kind of emphasize that both McClellan and Vigneault would have some, sort of the same communication issues as Yo and Hitchcock have. Um, the buy-in has to be there with the players. Uh, JR finished it by saying he would put a 60% odds on Craig Berube staying as the coach, which I do not believe in no. the slightest. There's like, no way that's more than 50 or even close to 50. I, I, I'd say it's 10. Yeah. I, I don't know where that came from. I mean, he knows more than I do, so... Will you eat a sock if he's still coach? What's something gross I can eat? Black licorice is gross. I won't be cottage cheese because I hate. Because I, mean, I will not. That's honest to God phobia. But I'll think of some. Okay. I'll think of some. Steven will eat something. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. Uh, yes. What do I know? You know, I really want them to go for like a completely new coach, but I will say I would also be slightly frightened. Because you just never know. But I guess that's well, the I guess that's the fun in it. Here's the thing. So he said sixty percent Berube, he did say fifteen to twenty percent Quinville, and then the rest on the field. This was admittedly before the Red Wings loss. The team's just not turned around enough for it to be Berube. You can't get to the end of this season not be any better than we were and say Berube's your guy. Yeah. That's not an option for him. He's kind of on the hot seat already, Armstrong is. He's very much on the hot seat in the fans' eyes. I don't think he really is in Stillman's eyes, but that's just not an option. You just can't do that. So I don't really believe that at all. And so... It's weird that he reported that, because I can understand, like, lip service, sort of, like, hey, you know, he's he might be our guy, who knows? But, like, it's weird for Rutherford to be like, yeah, I think he's, you know, chances I, are he is. I like, think no, the point no, is no, the no, comfort no, no. level's there. He thinks, you know, obviously... Berube is already an Armstrong guy, but he can't... Armstrong guys haven't worked for him the last few times. <laughs> That's true. It's time to consider a not-Armstrong guy. Has he had a coach he's had to butt heads with? Mm-mm. Yo was obvious... I'm, I don't... I was gonna say lapdog. That's too harsh. But he was obviously like, I'm the boss, you're the coach. Yeah. Hitchcock had more cachet, but they were best friends, so I don't think they fought a lot. Oh, like Davis Payne, but Davis Payne's not even, like, a person (laughs) with a spine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, My personal thought on this is, and we can move on to the games, either get Joel Quinville or go a new direction. Do not 
I would like a Sheldon Keefe. Give me. I would love. He would be my second choice, far and away. Do not give me a recycled, already failed somewhere else or somewheres else, NHL head coach. Don't do L- it. Lindy Ruff. Oh, that's so possible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Lindy, baby. Uh, <laughs> so give me Sheldon Keith. Go to Europe. Go to juniors. Go to the AHL. Get somebody new. If you're going to promote from within, do friggin' Drew Bannister, even. Like, just some. Do some. <laughs> Don't give me anyone that's already failed anywhere as an NHL head coach, although I guess technically Quinville's done that. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, shall we move on to the games? Let's do it. Do we want to skip over the games? We want to skip quickly? over a game. We got a bad one, and then we got an acceptable one. You want to lead us through the both of them, or the bad one, or what? No, you lead us through the bad one. Okay. Um, so <laughs> That's my decision. The Blues looked fine. Nothing special in the first period. In the second period, the... Who's this against? Detroit Red Wings that we already discussed earlier. At the Little Caesars Arena. These people were piping gonna hot have, and ready. going to have a little seizure to say <laughs> a name like that. Um, Jesus. Uh, 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 <laughs> the Red Wings scored three goals in the space of about 11 minutes. Ian, did you know... That the Blues have allowed consecutive goals within three minutes of one another 12 times this season. No. 12 times. And I know this because Cristiano Samaneta said 11 times, and that was before this game when they did it again. Wow. So the first and second goal were 2 minutes and 55 seconds apart, so just, they almost held out. They, they just <laughs> couldn't quite make it to full three full minutes. The first one scored by Vanek, the second one scored by Athanasiu. In both cases, there was no slot coverage at all. Let's listen to Luke Korak's breakdown of the second goal. Fabry with a play right in front of him, doinks it right off the <laughs> shin pad, going cross-ice, puck back in the zone. First error. Then Petrangelo with a complete whiff on a queer, puck never leaves the zone, even though he had little resistance. No wonder he broke his stick after it went in. Second error. And to cap it off, once again, where is the slot coverage? This happens after Fabry and Petrangelo can't move the puck. It's true. We looked awful. That sounded kind of like Andy Rooney. Thank you, I guess. Does anyone out there know what the fuck I just <laughs> said? <laughs> Principal Rooney from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? No, the old guy with Catter. Okay. Did I, just... did I have to explain who Andy Rooney was to you? Does anyone know who Andy Don't Rooney is? Don't you mean is? Wayne Rooney? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> all four of these goals... We're just uncovered shooters. Um, on the third goal, which was scored by Bertuzzi, one of two he'd score, spoiler alert, um, all four of our defensemen are behind the faceoff circle and on the weak side of the shooter, meaning the opposite side of the net. <laughs> the wrong side. The, uh, the, <laughs> the Bertuzzi I wrote soars in untouched with no slot coverage. 
Allen makes the first save, but there's no rebound control, and I can't really totally excuse him here, even though um, uh, Korak kind of does. It's not his fault, but his foundation is bad, and he crosses the crease while losing his footing and is unable to glove the puck and therefore can't stop the rebound, and he has no prayer of recovering once the rebound is on Bertuzzi's stick. Uh, but in any case... Uh, Korak says, again, where's the slot coverage? Al makes the initial save, and look where Bomeister is. Look what Favre and Thomas are doing, and look who gets a wide-open tap-in on the rebound. Um, for those of you who didn't see it, he had, like, a, a really pictographic breakdown of all these goals on his Twitter account. It was very at thorough. At 10 I believe, which isn't good that I know that off the top of my head. Um, hopefully I'm wrong. But anyway, <laughs> you can find him, Lou Korak. He's very, very famous. Anyway, <laughs> the Blues um, looked like a typical sort of Blues lose very quickly and very all at once sort of loss. But it ended up not quite being that um yeah the battle back happened very quickly there david perron scored his seventh goal of the season on the power play with an assist by alex petrangelo who really did nothing this was basically david perron uh making a play all by himself he just single-handedly got through three defenders including danny de kaiser and adam glenn knitting and scored on his own. Howard probably should have had the, held the post more and made the save, but it got up over his shoulder. Um, Tarasenko scored his eighth goal also on the power play less than two minutes later, assisted by O'Reilly and Dunn. Um, O'Reilly collected the puck and moved along the board and moved towards the slot. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, the only really good player on the Blues right now, was totally <laughs> untouched while doing this, which seems like a strange move defensively, but who's to say? Um the he made a really precise pass to Vova's stick across the ice and through the crease and Vo or through the slot rather and Vova banged it home. Uh, it was very close to a missed shot because it hit the post and just happened to go in. They had twenty one missed shots in the game. This Holy could have been twenty two. Well, obviously not, but could have been one of twenty two, but didn't turn out to be, and it came in. Uh, eight minutes into the third period, David Perron tied it, assisted by Fabry and Shin. Perron passed to Fabry in the shot slot, and there was lots of banging around in front as Perron skated behind and grabbed the puck back in front of the net and banged it home. Um, saying bang a lot. Bang, <laughs> and bang. We were all very happy and celebratory, and it felt like the Blues would finally capture momentum and carry a victory, you know, and win a game <laughs> from behind. But Tyler Bertuzzi ended that dream when he came from behind the net and scored a goal wide open, assisted by Michael Rasmussen, the bright young prospect. Korak says, Bomeister's slow to move puck and gets checked off of it. The puck doesn't exit. Thomas doesn't protect it in the corner. He gets checked and knocked down to his behind. More wide open slot coverage and Schmaltz loses guy backside. Um, the Blues lost the game 4-3. to three. There were no more goals scored. Uh, the Blues made kind of a loser hockey effort at the end. I guess it's not really loser hockey when it's one to one goal, but... You're also down four to three in a game that you tied after being down three to nothing. So, sort of yeah. loser hockey. 
Uh, is, shots, shots were 36-31 Blues. Faceoffs were actually 57-43 to 43 Red Wings, which is a rarity. The Blues were 2-3 for three on the power play, while the Red Wings were 0-2. Oh Hits were 20-17 to 17 Blues. Blocks were 15-11 to 11 Red Wings. And there were 15 Red Wings giveaways to 7 Blues giveaways, which is not possible. I don't know who recorded that stat, but it seems wonky to me. The Blues did have 21 total missed shots. Would have been nice if they'd set, had, say, 15 and had gotten six of those on that, but who's to say? Lou Korak tweets, David Perron played with fire in his gut tonight. Probably could have scored four tonight. He was all over the place and played like a guy wanting to get things going in the right direction. Some other idiot, though, whose name is Brian G and does not have a blue check mark, although I don't think Korak technically does either, says, The second Doug Armstrong went to ownership and said, I'm thinking about signing David Perron for the third time, he should have been fired. Brian G, by the way, tweeted this after this game. So, Brian G, if you're listening, David Perron scored two goals in the game that you thought you should tweet this after. <laughs> so the only person making worse decisions than you right now is who's ever deciding that Chuck Fletcher should be the GM in Philadelphia. <laughs> Congratulations, Brian. You've joined that elite group. Um, the Blues were riding high. The last time, this was an interesting quote, excuse me, from Jim Thomas's STL Today piece. He says, The Blues were riding high the last time they made an appearance in Little Caesars Arena nearly a year ago. They routed the Detroit Red Wings 6-1 to on a snow Saturday afternoon in early December 2017 and improved to 28-2 and on the season, standing atop the Western Conference atop the entire Western Conference. But shortly after scoring his 14th goal of the season that day, Jaden Schwartz took a puck off the foot. The Blues haven't been the same since. Following Wednesday's wrenching 4-3 loss for 18,165, the Blues are 32-36-7 since Schwartz's broken foot. What were we before that? He say twenty eight twenty eight and two. Wow! At this time last year, yep. ridiculous. Which is roughly what he went after taking over the year before too. I mm. think. Man, that was hot. Yeah. And we are not. <laughs> well said. Uh, Jake Allen says they're an offensive quick lineup that likes to play with a lot of place. They really looked into locked. They really took it to us for the first half, three quarters of the game. We found a switch and turned it on, but it's a little too late. Uh, it's not though. That's the weird thing. You tied it and then couldn't close it out. Uh, for all the effort extended by the blues in their comeback, there was one common theme in all four Red Wings goals. The shooter was wide open, be it net front or in the slot, Jim Thomas says. You saw their goals, basically everything they got, we gave it to them, so it's disappointing for sure, David Perron says, but with a French accent. Um, yeah, uh... Craig Berube says a lot, and the last quote here we can kind of move on with because I think it's really interesting. Uh, you saw their, or no, excuse me, my frustration level is probably as high as the rest of the team. They're frustrated too. We want to win. There's a lot of good players in the locker room, <laughs> a lot of character guys that really care about winning and want to win. We will eventually. We'll get it going. 
Our team knew that they're a fast team, but we fed into that. We didn't play. We didn't do what we were supposed to do. We lost battles. We lost 50-50 puck battles. We turned pucks over at the blue line instead of getting it in deep, and that feeds into their game. They're a good transition team. And finally, perhaps the quote that defines the entire season so far, we looked like we're obviously not a confident hockey team, Craig Berube says. It looks like we're waiting to lose at times. Wow. Maybe the title of this podcast should be Waiting to Lose. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, 100%. Man, I still thought... I mean, we looked better under Hitchcock for long periods of time, but there were periods where I really thought this team played to not lose rather than played to win. Mm. It's been like that for like three or four years, it feels like. They're just like sitting there hoping the other team doesn't grab the game by the horns, just hopes the other team forgets that there's still a hockey game and that they need to win now because there's so many times, and especially this season. I think this season we look less nervous and we look more just lackadaisical. Mm. I think before we looked scared. I think now we look like, well, loss is loss, pretty common for us. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Would you like to take us through tonight's But losses aren't common for us. Actually, they are. This one doesn't make any difference. But we won one. The Blues won. They beat Colorado tonight 3-2. First period, Vladimir Tarasenko got his ninth goal of the season, assisted by Edmondson and Barbashev. Uh, Kamenev of the Colorado Avalanche tries to go backhand forehand on Allen, but Allen makes a fantastic lunging stick save. I will give Allen credit multiple times throughout this game. He actually had a fairly good game. He was moving a lot. He was sliding around a lot. Shaky. But he made the saves, and they looked impressive then, so I, I give him credit hey, for that. the more out of position you are when a save starts happening, the mm-hmm. more impressive it is. Oh, looks it looks amazing. Yeah. You get that big old mitt on the puck. Yeah. <laughs> you get that exactly. big old flashy mitt. Uh, that save, though, got the puck moving the other way towards the uh, blues end, Tarasenko, or towards the avalanche end. Tarasenko gets the puck fed to him as he streaks up the ice and puts a wrister on Barlamov. Barlamov gets a piece of the puck, but it Woof. slides through his five hole and into Woof. the back of the net. Woof. Yeah. I mean, it was, he was trying to go five hole, Tarasenko was. It was like a very weak little wrister to try and get him yeah, to I bite. I don't know if. That's what it looked like did to me. Did he see the spot and just like nail it, or did he just not deliver on the shot? He, it could have been either one, but to me, at least when I replayed it, I didn't look at his face or really body language, but the stick definitely was like, eh. Yeah. Just kind of like a, I'm I'm alone on a pretty much a breakaway here, semi break, and, and I was like, you know, what, I'll give you credit. I think you're a smart enough player. I think you did it on purpose. <laughs> Blues later on in the first period scored a power play goal. Alexander Steen's fifth of the season, unassisted, but really it should have an assist for uh, Maroon here. Maroon had a great forecheck going, a great effort. Laid Zadorov out along the boards. Zadorov under pressure there, tosses the puck in the middle of his own zone. Steen comes up with the puck between two Avalanche players, skates to his left, and gets the puck up and over Varlamov for the goal. This was with just over 30 seconds, 31 seconds left in the first period. Those late goals, I know from Blues experience, we all know, can be daggers. Now, they weren't going to be for this team, (laughs) but against the Blues, man, those late period goals, daggers. So the Blues go into the first intermission up 2-0 against the Colorado Avalanche. I didn't think this was going to happen. You didn't think this was going to happen. The sponsors didn't think this was going to happen. <laughs> Eugene Melnick. Yeah. 
was suing to make was sure it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, he did not want this happening on the LeBreton Flats. And it wasn't Eugene. It was happening in Colorado, you big doofus. <laughs> this is where your buddy, the other guy, lives. Um, he probably doesn't live there either. He probably lives in L.A. He just owns this team. Who am I talking about? You know his name. I just live, I'm losing Stan it. Crongate? Thank you. Everyone else knew. Second period starts. Late period goals are daggers. So are early period <laughs> goals. The Blues hey, let, in, hey, hey. <laughs> let in a goal by Nikita Zadorov. Uh, just over a minute into the second period. Zadorov. Zadorov. We'll get it right. Zadorov hammers a shot from the left point. He gets blocked. He gets the puck back. Fires another one and scores. Allen is screened in the front. It looks like he's kind of looking for a tip, like he expects the two players in front of him for the tip, kind of looks to his left, puck goes in on his right. Nah, I'm not going to blame him on that just because there's enough traffic in mm-hmm. front. And really, after the really good block, but I can't remember who it was, they just managed to whiff on the puck to try and get out of the zone. Stinks, but the way it is. Later on in that period, I believe, in that second period, Alexander Steen, right when Nate McKinnon is trying to leave the avalanche zone, Lays him out. Not even, doesn't even lay him out. It's just a nice, clean, big to, hit. Oh, yeah, trying to leave, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to leave, he was trying to leave the Avs zone. Had the puck. Yeah, had the puck. Steen hit him. Got the puck back. I believe shot the puck? Big Passed hit. the puck. Big hit, but not like a bone crunch. No, hit. I mean, just solid body, body on body it contact. McKean. It was McKinnon, right? Yeah, it was Nate McKinnon. So that, that, that's not so good. That's their star player. So as Steen, I believe, doesn't have the puck, or it's going somewhere. I mean, he's not the... He's, he's not, around the puck. He's in the play. Uh, Eric Johnson, our favorite first overall draft pick, everyone's favorite, skates over and just elbows Steen just straight right in the, the face. Right in the face. Yeah. Completely right elbows him. You know what? This team, this game started out physical already. And after that elbow, I was so happy. We were sitting there, and I was like, man, this team... I'm almost rooting against the Blues. I'm kind of wanting to lose. I just want to see what it's like when this team craters. But at that point, I was like, you know what? This team has to respond. Alexander Steen is supposedly a leader on your team. He just got elbowed right in the face by a guy you shoveled off this team, whatever that was, eight years ago. Oh, God. I just rewatched the hit. It's so bad. Yeah, it's not great. Um... And thankfully, the Blues did respond. Edmondson went over, got in people's faces. Petrangelo, of all people, was getting in Johnson's face. I was glad to see this team actually PO'd for once. Petrangelo got angry, now that I think about this, at Johnson for hitting Steen. Petrangelo and Steen, I don't know. We don't know what they feel like <laughs> they with friends? each other. Do they hate each other? Maybe they're Who like knows? frenemies. I guess That's so. a big thing with millennials these days. <laughs> frenemies. Which Alex Steen is not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, George Soros is going to have... Not George Soros. <laughs> George Taros, <laughs> like, That would have been a real left turn. <laughs> George Taros is going to have a busy Saturday. Mm-hmm. So they box... Wow. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Keep going. Just... I was like, Edmondson got <gasps> a penalty for roughing, I think. Uh-huh. But then... Johnson got ejected from the game, five-minute major, for, I guess, what, elbowing? I guess that's what yeah, you call elbowing. it. seems kind of silly, but yeah. <laughs> well, it I mean, was an elbow right to the no, skull. I, no, so. I mean, that's a good reason, but when they just go, ah, elbowing, it should be like elbow to the head. Murder. Actually, I think sometimes they do say, like, elbow to the head. Yeah. Elbowing, I'd be like, really? 
elbowing sounds more like gah, yeah, gotcha. like ah, I got you in the ribs, Abe. <laughs> Catch you later, bruh. Do you want to get brunch tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> you know how different directions <laughs> when they're hanging with George Soros. <laughs> <laughs> Second period is pretty good. Uh, I I like that they were both teams were flying. Avalanche obviously looked way faster than the Blues, but the Blues seemed to be at least trying to keep up, and it was very physical. Second period, I saw Ivan Barbashev throwing his weight around. Uh, elbows a little high. I'm glad I didn't hit anybody, like clip anybody high. That's probably elbowing the head for him. But man, he was flipping out around people on the forecheck. I liked seeing that. Uh, Maroon after Steen left, and then I believe didn't return, mm-hmm. took Steen's spot on that line and had some extra minutes and it seemed like all this physical play had him awake too. Obviously not very fast, but he was laying out people right and left. It was, it was a good, it's a good look for this team. This team has skill. It just they has to stay. need to like, yeah, use the energy their body possesses. Spirits, let me hear it. <laughs> yeah, like Jesus. Get a spirit bomb going or something, folks. It works. It almost always works. Third period. Oh, no, it's another power play goal. Well, that's the first power play goal, really. But it's another Not early period goal, that's for sure. Ah, I like the way you think. <laughs> I like uh, whatever he says. You're jazz. Two minutes, 13 seconds in. Miko Rotnin, 11th goal of the season, unassisted. Shot gets fired from the point and leaks through Allen. Almost crosses the line, but Edmondson swats the puck away and out of the crease. He's our best backup goalie. Sorry, Chad Johnson. <laughs> Except the puck pinballs over to Rotnan, who puts the puck in the open net. A scramble in front. It doesn't look good defensively. Nope. I mean, it happens to lots of teams, scramble in front. There's lots of bodies. Sure. But Lots of things happen to lots of teams. Teams. You get scored on in a scramble in front. What can you do, really? It's not like anyone can ever defend that. No. Anyways. Uh, more shots for the Avalanche in the third period. This is when they seem to come on. You know, when good teams come on, when they're behind, they go, I have to win now. But not when they're down by three or four goals. That's no. It's a tie game, and they want to win. The Blues, most certainly in this instance, seemed a little more turtly. <laughs> Gotta get that precious point. <laughs> yeah, that point. Uh, that looked a little dangerous towards the end. In fact, I thought in the last minute they played a lot in the Avalanche zone. And looked a little more dangerous. They had a really good scoring chance, like in the 30 seconds yeah. left or something. They had a post, far post, uh, towards the end there, too. So they didn't look too bad. Overtime, man, I thought we were going to get skewered in overtime. I, like, it's a fast-paced oh, yeah. three-on-three. Just McKinnon just not our game. somebody. I believe... Um, I believe our old friend, old man blues player, Bernie Federko... Good job. Yeah, I, pulled, I did a Bernie Federico right there. did call Colton Pareko just straight up Clayton at one Play, Hey, Clayton Paranko, do you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus, Bernie. Take your meds. <sighs> We're going to trade for Clayton Keller, and he's going to be like, it's our friend Colton Kellogg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Chatterfield, Missouri. <laughs> be like, what are you talking about? We used to play jacks down at the soda fountain. <laughs> Nobody knows what you're talking about, you idiot. <laughs> yes. I hope somebody gets our references. Nobody does. And they don't. They're painful. <laughs> um, yeah, I really thought we were screwed. 
But Colton well, Pareko didn't. <laughs> uh, Colton Pareko scored the overtime early, goal. Early period goals. Okay. Yeah, a minute 34 in OT. Man, no one's defending early in the period. <laughs> Especially... Not uh, Semyon Barlamov. And not Samuel Gerard. There you go. Who I learned is 4 foot is 6. <laughs> he, okay, so Pareko takes the puck from his own blue line through the neutral zone. Gerard tries to wedge himself between Pareko and the puck. As Pareko enters the Av zone, but Pareko is also six foot six to Gerard's three foot two, <laughs> and is able to push the puck forward with one hand as he pushes Thumbelina off to his left, <laughs> and with one hand on a stick, chips the puck up and over a very surprised Simeon Barlamov. I, I feel like we've seen this goal scored before within like the last. This is going to sound like a real stretch. I don't know, the last three years. <laughs> I swear we have someone that chipped a puck over somebody. It's happened before. I think so. I had a weird moment. I by the strength and lift he got on a oh, shot. Yeah. It was like across his body and backhanded and one-handed. That's those big, long Gumby arms he's got. <laughs> it was a really good play. And I'm telling you, when you watch him skate from blue line to blue line, and this happened last game, too, or last game, last week in a certain game. When he moves the puck, when he holds on the puck and moves it, it's intimidating. It's scary looking. The dude's 6'6", six, and he's pretty fast for that size. I'm like, shit, dude, do, do that more. more. You're scaring me because I don't see it often. <laughs> that's, that's something in his repertoire I could use more. Overall, I thought this game was actually, especially for the Blues of recent, pretty good game. Kind of... All over the place, very pinball-y, lots Craig, of bodies. Craig Berube, to his credit, has two more wins over Central Division opponents that aren't the Blackhawks than Mike Yo has since February. <laughs> Gotta give him something. 60% chance he's our coach. This there it is. is. is I thought Barbie Maroon played really well. Allen looked really good. Um for Allen, like mm-hmm. I said, moving a lot, but he made the saves. This team plays so much better when they engage like physically early in the game. And I remember thinking that when we were watching Nashville here mm-hmm. against the Blues, because all of a sudden the Blues looked kind of bored immediately. And I was like, oh, so that we lose so now. <laughs> yeah, so we lose now. In the first five minutes, it was like blatantly clear. Yeah. There's like two Blues teams you get, and you get one way more often. There's the one that's disinterested immediately. And then they're like, oh no, for nothing. All right, guys, we gotta go. Uh, and then they play loser hockey. And then there's the one you see 10% of the time, I guess 33% of the time. <laughs> that, like, actually, yeah, if you wanna do the math, nerds. <laughs> that shows up and, like, plays physically, like, oh, a hockey game, huh? Interesting. <laughs> a hockey game is the foot. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly Kerfoot. Kerfoot? Kerfoot. So overall, pretty decent. I was surprised. I was surprised. I agree. Shall we shall we move on to our grand finale? <laughs> it's what everyone's been waiting for, the thing they don't know about. <laughs> oh, well, we could have multiple grand finales. We haven't even decided yet. <laughs> so it, it was our de- idea earlier in this week when we were young and fresh-faced and innocent. You know, you hear from us every week, and we're at... we. You know, even though today was a win, overall, we're at our wits' end about what's wrong with this team. We have our ideas. We're not shy about sharing them. (laughs) Uh, But 
You don't want to hear us repeat the same stuff every time, so we threw it to you, lovable people, on Twitter and on Reddit. And um, with that said, I don't think either one of us expected the volume of responses. Yes, thank you get. very much. I'm very humbled and excited. Um, but it is a long wall of text on the screen, um, so we're going to try and get to everyone uh, abbreviating where we need to. Uh, and know this, if in the wall of texts that were sent and tweets that were responded to, if I miss your name, all you need to do is tell me and I will be mortified for the next <laughs> seven to ten years. Minimum. Minimum seven to ten. And I'll rectify it next week. It is... I promise you it's not from a lack of trying. It could be from a lack of being very intelligent, but it's not from wow. a lack of trying. Wow. So let's start here with our Twitter responses. Mike Keenan sucks answer to our uh, question. Well so done. our question was basically, what's wrong with this team? Be as specific or generic as you want, but what's wrong with the team? And Mike Keenan sucks says, defense, goaltending, lack of scoring, lack of shot taking, not enough physicality, players making more money than they deserve based on their stats, and that will be hard-pressed to get rid of because of their million-year contracts. <laughs> that about sums it up. So Mike Keenan says, everything is wrong. Hard to, su- hard to argue with that. Not Mike Keenan. I was like, sound, Mike Keenan sucks. Sounds like something Mike Keenan would say. <laughs> Mike Keenan would say. Everything is wrong. The, the student has become the master. Tony Eichenlaub made a point that I thought was interesting, saying too many undeserving former Blues players in key development roles. Seems like if you ever wore the note, the Blues will find a job for you. What do you think about that one? That was interesting to me. Yeah, that's interesting. I've that's, never thought about it. I've thought about it a little bit. And I don't know this ties if other organizations do the same thing. So did you listen to 31 Thoughts this week? I did. Okay. So they talked about Ron Hextall for a while. And uh-huh. they talked about the Flyers and how if you are an alum there, they take, care, like, they take of care of you in some fashion. Whether it's, I, I guess, supposedly whether it's just like straight up give you money. Oh, or whatever, yeah, know. like, yeah, are you hey, hard I up need for cash? Money. <laughs> yeah. um, I need more money! But, like, or maybe in roles, you know, uh. management roles and stuff. And I think that's nice as an offer, and nice that they have your back for that, but sometimes I do think, like, how far are you willing to be loyal yeah. to somebody? Just, they played hockey, they understand hockey, and they played for your team, but does that necessarily mean they're the best option for you mm-hmm. i do wonder if the blues should try and reach outside the organization well, plus, and they have a little bit the flyers have really great history yeah they've won some cups the blues don't yeah that's that's so, what's so weird i'm like do, do some of these people know some of them do al mckennis won a cup i mean he's really young doug with wade calgary yeah wasn't here, though, so <laughs> yeah, like just right, doug wade next <laughs> chris pronger also, also not here. here. So all the good ones aren't here. Keith Kachuk, did he win a cup somewhere before he got here? I don't think so. Yeah. So it's just weird. I there I are it. a lot of names up there I that played it. for it's the Blues. It's a good point. Um, 14th and Clark says 
Ah, uh, this one made me laugh. <laughs> Petro's crowd control nerf makes him literally unplayable. He used to be the anchor, and now he is a throw pick. His passive inspire ability was great last season, but the introduction of the O'Reilly score at will ability is much more effective. Ian, you're a nerd. Why don't you translate <laughs> this for us? That sounds like a bunch of Overwatch or other Blizzard game speak, or really RPG speak. Dear Blizzard, please fix the blues. Please buff Petrangelo. <laughs> Seahouse says, the blues have no heart, no pride. You get embarrassed, and instead of fighting, finding another gear, they roll over and wait for the check to clear. He made a nice little poem there. I like it. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Um, <laughs> uh, I agree with that. Sorry, I got a text. I texted Avs correspondent Jordan about <laughs> you calling uh, <laughs> Sam Gerard Thumbelina, and he responded, Sam Gerard is a little boy, and Thumbelina is perfect. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> is a small boy actually that's even better um no but see how i agree their their pride in the heart really is apparently and it's like you said some games it's there some games it's not most games it's not yeah but some games it is and that's the thing if you want to be really positive you can say hey that's there sometimes but if you want to be really negative like us like why isn't it there most of the time. we, You know, I hate Tom Wilson. I don't want Tom Wilson any part of the blues. But we do kind of need a crazy guy. We do. <laughs> like Ryan Reeves. I miss Ryan Reeves. I do. Um, I, I would still make that trade every day and every night oh, of the year. But apparently since yeah, Oscar Sunquist yeah, even for just Oscar has Sunquist. an unimpeachable role on Oh, this I forgot to mention the Avs <laughs> game. He did <laughs> Sorry, Nelson from The Simpsons. <laughs> like, uh, he did get a penalty shot. In what the an last opportunity! One, the shot that he was trying to make initially. Man, he did the leg pump and everything. Uh-huh. The really Alex Ovechkin, uh, and then the penalty shot. A little big for his britches. Yeah, there. I was like, well, slow down, Oscar. Wouldn't it have been hilarious if he'd set a new career high? In goals scored in a penalty shot in like the twenty fifth game of the season. <laughs> this is a complete lie, I'm sure, but I've never wanted someone to score more on a penalty <laughs> shot. <laughs> and just in like some ridiculous, oh, like, just some, Wayne Gretzky yeah, nonsense like behind the back between the legs <laughs> thing, where you're like, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, Franklin Jones says there's no chemistry, no consistency. We had half of our forwards who had never skated together and the lines and rosters were juggled literally every game. Who's, who's Louis skating with today? (laughs) Is he on the power play? Second line, fourth line, bench, scratch. What does coach want from us today? Man to man, zone, dump and chase, trap. All I'm saying is that if I went to work every day and found my role had changed and I don't know who I was working with, my give-a-damn would be busted pretty quick. And I think that's a really good point. The line shuffling really bothers me. We get something red-hot like Sanford, Perron, and O'Reilly, and then the second it doesn't work, yeah, it's just gone. And we don't even ever try it we again. We didn't go it back just, to it at all. I don't get that one. Uh, Blues and Birds says, I legitimately think the defensive system in place with Yo was a part of the problem and it'll have its effects for a while. I think that could be true. We talked about Brad Shaw being gone last year, last week. Um, Did you know he was here as an assistant coach for like 12 years I know or he was here for a long time. He was I'm, here when like they fired Mike Kitchen. I know because when I, came, when I worked at Deerberg's, 
when I was in high school, a coworker was like, hey, Bradshaw just came through here. And I was like, a baby, baby blues fan. And I was like, who? Terry Bradshaw? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt says, there's not a single hint of chemistry on the line. Blue line has forgotten how to communicate. Tarasenko's shooting percentage in the slot is half of what it was last year, 16-8. to eight. Team can't score when Jake posts a 122 goals against average and a 942 save percentage in his last five starts. Agree. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> um... Donnie Henry says, No one is holding anyone accountable for mistakes. No one is working on keeping our net front clear. And we are playing soft as baby shit. Well said. Whoa, Donnie. Whoa. (laughs) Need to bring the pace of play to the opposing team. And play on your toes, not on your darn heels. My six-year-old knows this. He's going to say baby shit, but then he's going to say darn heels. Damn heels. Damn those heels. Goddamn heels. <laughs> oh, we love you, Donnie. We love you. Bob Rakowski <laughs> says, still say the system is broken, need to simplify it. They're spending way too much time thinking about what they need to do, slowing everything down to a maddening crawl. I agree with that. I think sometimes it does look like they're really trying to, especially when Yo is here. I haven't really looked that closely since, but... Like, okay, where is my guy? What is this? Where is that? Like, it just seems like there's not a lot of flow to them on the ice. Yeah. Um, O'Reilly Stick Curve says, I just don't understand how we've literally gotten our asses handed to us a few games. Literally, like, they picked up our our ass and said, is this yours? I don't want to be. I'm not the literally guy. I'm not the calling people out on literally guy. I'm sorry, O'Reilly's Broken Stick. I like you. didn't do it. Uh, and in those same games, not one person wanted to throw hands. How are our fans more passionate than most players? It's crazy. That is really frustrating. You know, they talked about on 31 Thoughts and some other places that the 6-0 loss Toronto, the Philadelphia Flyers had to Toronto where they didn't have a fight or anything and they just kind of accepted it was really the last straw for management. And I'm kind of like, but we've had those yeah, all that, season. Yeah, you would have fired Doug Armstrong an eon ago. <laughs> Mouse and Cat Speak says, they simply are not physical enough on the blue line. Teams run over everyone not named Edmondson or Brotuzo, and Jake is a flake. And Keck wills it, sums it up by saying, we suck. Uh, <laughs> but to Mouse and Cat Speak's point, I do think it's... Not insignificant that Bortuzzo came back and we were better tonight. I realize he probably only played ten minutes, but still. Critical role. I think so. Shall we go to Reddit? Sure. That's a good podcast, too. Critical role. Check it out. Oh, really? Is that the uh, D&D podcast? It's a D&D thing. There you go. It's a great name for a podcast. Perfect. Um, because it's critical hits and rolling the anyway. Look, if People they're into it, it, they'll People get it. it. <laughs> Our dear friend, creative underscore funny <laughs> underscore name, chimes in with as bad as it is right now. I think this team is a coach and a goalie away from being a contender because the problems are a hundred percent mental slash confidence related. Even if Allen becomes a nine twenty player, which he has, the players just don't have confidence in him, and Yo was never. A good motivator. This team just needs a Babcock type who focuses more on the mental game than X's and O's. That and the goal song needs to go. Same with the Woo. Juggernaut92 says the Woo is quite honestly the most ridiculous thing I've heard. I want to mute the TV whenever it starts 
up, and to them I say, what a great point they're <laughs> making. The woo is, it's honestly redneck garbage. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's Rick Flair did it because he was cool and richer than you. None of us in the upper bowl are cooler or richer than Rick Flair. So stop it. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on that overall point? I do agree with the Allen confidence point a little mm-hmm. bit. That's, I can see that. That's one of the reasons I'm down with a reset. Is just, just let's just wash the whole slate clean. Um, Calzone or Calzone, I guess Calzone um, <laughs> says one: the coaching scheme, uh, offensively, everything needs to happen a step quicker. Uh, defensively, fuck seriously, fucking fuck. If I had to describe our defensive scheme, it would be cluster fucking fuck. So much space in dangerous areas. Players chasing shit that doesn't need to be chased. Number two, goaltending. This one seems pretty self-explanatory. Don't dislike Allen, but he isn't the guy to win us sixteen playoff games. That's all I'm saying. I agree with that. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. It's he's just not that guy. Not the Jimmy Howard is, but. And I know a lot of people say that Bobrovsky's playoff record is bad, too. Yeah, but I'd sure like to find out how bad it is first. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> That's true. Overall, I think we have a talented group of skaters, and the team as a whole is grossly underperforming, and these are my views as to why. P.S. If I hear one more damn player cite effort and working hard as a reason for getting spanked again, I will lose my mind. That's the one thing you have control over. It is true. It's true. That's the most annoying thing. Uh, it's really awful. If you looked like you were trying out there, then maybe I could start saying, oh, maybe you're just not very good. And I that know. would sound better, I guess. I've heard people say stuff like that, like we just don't have the talent. And I'm like, I don't think that's it. Um, name is Yeti says, I commented on a thread earlier today regarding the Colorado Avs and our similarities last season. Even though we started well, they were in the dumps with us through most of the season. However, one single event changed everything for them. They traded Duchesne after that. They turned into a totally different team. And they're tearing it up this year as well. I can't help but think something as simple as a single trade could have similar results for us. Unfortunately, it's hard to say which player would make the difference for us. Hopefully, Army can figure that out. Uh, Taco Time, MF Taco Time said, I still want to know if there is any truth to Steen being a locker room cancer. I'm going to read all of this because I think we're going to probably dwell here for a moment. Downvote Comforter says, I've never heard a single player or member of the organization say anything negative about Steen, and I've heard tons of guys single him out as a great leader and locker room guy without be- ever being prompted. Shin and Ed gushed about him when they were interviewed on Spitting Chicklets. The only person I've ever heard talk about him as a cancer are fans and people who couch it as, well, I've heard rumblings without giving any indication about how they are connected to this team. Um, And MS Sniffer Pippets, oh, M Sniffer Pippets, said, absolutely not. He's been around the room his entire life. He knows what it means to be a pro and how to be a leader. His dad was one of the best to learn from in that regard, so I can confidently say he's the farthest thing from a locker room cancer, intentionally at least. And then while you talk about that, I'm going to find the other comment along these lines. Okay. So, it's very hard to figure out what's going on in the Blues locker room. Obviously, no fan knows, but Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic has alluded to starting last year, more than alluded to, has pretty much said there's locker room problems. Mm -hmm. There's leadership problems on this team. And last year he went out and said... It's two camps. It's the Petrangelo camp, and it's the Steen camp. 
And Steve and I talked about this over dinner today, as we do from time to time. <laughs> it's I don't think Petrangelo or Steve, I believe that it's a Petrangelo camp and a Steen camp. I don't think it's like, I don't know, drawn up that way, like there's a line in the room. I don't room. think it's sharks and jets. No, no, there you go. Across an alley for yeah, each other. It's not that, and I don't think either of them are like asshole guys in the locker room. I just think it's two distinct personalities. I think Steen is generally your regular hockey guy, mm-hmm. where he's like, we want, I want to do stuff as a team. It's, I think it's been cited by Rutherford that he likes to bring in young guys and try and make them feel part of the team. That's all, that's all good stuff. And then I think Petrangelo, this is just my own sort of thought. They've said he's kind of a quieter leader. I think he's very Dougie Hamilton-esque. I think it's a guy that's more introverted, that is probably trying to lead by example, and is just like, hey, I'm the captain, but you guys can do you know your own thing. Doesn't you know? Doesn't bother me. And I think maybe that rubs Steen and more of these social players the wrong way because it's supposed to be like a brotherhood and a mm-hmm. fraternity. And Petrangelo's probably like, that's fine. I'm just gonna do my own thing. And I think there's a few guys on this team that probably feel that way too. And so it's just enough of hey, let's do our own thing. And Steen going nah, let's hang out as a team and back and forth. That what turns into something that really shouldn't be that big a deal is a big deal. Mm-hmm. You've got reports, I think it was, was someone saying that? I can't remember what it said. So, I think it was just a rumor that someone said they heard Steen was PO'd when he didn't get captaincy after yeah. Bacchus left. I think Bo is trash. Okay. And this team has a tumor, and I understand people want to look at the talent on paper and say we just need Coach Q to come in and for Allen to be consistent, and this team will be fine, but that's not what will fix this team. And he told a story, I abbreviated it for the notes, which I regret now, but he basically told a story about how, yeah, like you were saying, when Petro was awarded the captain, Steen wasn't happy about it, but when Backus and Brower were kind of in charge, they kind of took the team by the balls mm-hmm. and sort of made them play well, and he concluded by saying, Steen and Petro obviously aren't grabbing the team by the balls like Backus and Brower did to rally the troops and to make a deep run we're both trying to burp (laughs) (laughs) i got it (laughs) i believe that's true there's been so much talk about this locker room thing and not just from like random fans that there's got to be some truth to it. something is wrong but is something catastrophically wrong I would think if it was, whoever was the problem would be gone. That's the like, thing. Super like, super easily. I've heard Steen is a cancer a lot. Look, I know we want to criticize Doug Armstrong. There's no way he gets that contract if he's a cancer. I know. It's like, like, if he's just an asshole yeah. who is intolerable to be around. Well, you see him score tonight. I know it's on the ice, but people come over, they're smiling, they're happy. You see him get laid yeah. out from behind, people are coming to his aid right That was away, the big deal. Petrangelo. We talked about this at dinner, and then we watched Steen get laid out, and that's why I was like, oh boy, let's see. I want to see people get pissed. I just want to see what happens. And yeah, they were angry. I mean, it's middle of the game, but it's good to see. And I don't, yeah, somehow it's a big deal, and it's not at the same time. I wish, it doesn't seem to be treated as a big deal. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be talked about as a big deal, and I wish it wasn't. Yeah. I really wish you could just say, man, these players got to, like, wake up, well, but it's some weird other thing. And I can't... I know player dynamics are weird, mm-hmm. and I know players are supposed to be the leaders and everything, but I can't help but think a strong enough personality as a coach should be able to overcome a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, Hitch was a strong personality. 
Like the the nice but he thing was about an Hitch, personality. the nice thing about Hitch is he's that weird sort of like, like red herring villain where like they get to go like, man, we all hate Hitch, and it's like, yes, right. we can bond over our for hatred a for a long Hitch. time. By yeah. the way, and then when he was gone, they bonded over their, hey, Hitch is gone. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I believe that. To yeah. Me, you know, you need to change the locker room. There's no question now. You need to change the core. But to me. If you make one significant change, let's say it is trade Petro, trade Steen, you make one significant change and then bring in a Quenville type, I think you should be fine. Like, I don't think it's tear the whole team apart. Mm -hmm. Because if, again, maybe I know people out there don't have faith in Armstrong and just disagree with that, but to me, if it was that bad he'd have done something already. Yeah. It was just untenable. Um, Guitar Addict 78 says, clearly we aren't believing enough in this team. <laughs> That's the biggest issue. If we simply believe in them hard enough, then we'll have a Christmas miracle season resurrection. Well, Guitar Addict 78, people believe tonight, and they won a game. Yeah. So maybe your Christmas miracle is in the works. Guitar Addict, lift your hands to the sky. <laughs> Give the blues your energy. <laughs> Fabulous, which, by the way, is a fabulous username, says, I'll give you a list of what's good because it's shorter. One, ROR. Two, done. Three, the fourth line. Were you ang done? It's fine. Four, odd is still bay. And five, the ice always looks good, which the ice does look good. It's got trade. There's no denying it's a good, it. It's a good ice plant. It's very white under the LED lights now, too. It was, do you remember that last year when you came there the first time? Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That ice is white, not like a muted gray anymore. <laughs> um, in Hannah 86 <laughs> says. Muted gray. That ice looks sick. <laughs> Says, the inconsistency of Jake Allen has broken this team, and it's the sword that Doug Armstrong chose to fall on. For some reason, I really wanted to say sword. Sword. (laughs) It's the sword that Doug Armstrong has chosen to fall on. This is the only possible explanation I have for this loaded roster playing well below their expectations. Jake Allen is not the first, nor will he be the last goalie to be relied upon to make a save when this team hangs him out to dry. Jake Allen is what's wrong with this blue... With the Blues, Joke Yoki said, Wish I had more than one upvote. Defense fell off after Hitch left, too, but I mostly end up screaming at the TV because he won't just <laughs> stay in the crease. MHANA86 res- responded, To be fair, Allen is one of the elite puck handlers in the NHL. It's his play inside the crease that's disconcerting. That's a nice little backhanded compliment. It's just, well, yeah. He's so good outside. It's the Mike he, Smith defense. Yeah. He's so good with the puck on his stick, the things he's not supposed to do. Uh, Crutation said, I don't know how the Blues handle things, but usually the goalie covers the shooter and the D covers the passing lane. When Allen struggles, it is when the D starts chasing the puck handler and leaves the passing lane open. When that happens, he gets unsettled in the crease as he starts to cheat to the pass, get the defense in order, and he will be better. Um, and Dude Man 79 says, there is a lot more that is wrong with this team than Shaky Jake. Um, I agree with everything all of those people said. (laughs) No, I think Jake Allen is... My worst fear about this team is that you get everything else sorted out and then Jake just craters again. Mm -hmm. (sighs) That's such a nightmare, and it's so believable. I know some people love Jake Allen. It is so possible. So I don't think there's a future of this team being really good with Jake Allen Mm -hmm. here. But at the same time, he's been really good the last two weeks. 
and the team is still two and five in that time yeah. or something like that. I mean, Jeremy Rutherford's not an expert, but he writes about the team an awful lot and sees them an awful lot. And in his Q and A yesterday, someone asked him, "Jr., if you're the GM, what's the first move you try and make?" And he said to trade Jake Allen. And I mean, he explained it more than just a personal thing. It was like that's a contract you should try and get out from under. And it's something you can do, and you need somebody to start and back that you feel more confident in than Alan. The whole team, that's what affects the whole team, too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just him. It's the defense playing around him. Well, that's why with rebuilds, I always talk about building from, like, the goal out. Mm -hmm. So if, like, the goal is a problem, the thing you built out around it is just going to crumble. Yeah. Um, Stranger D14 says, pretty sure it's some kind of curse. Soft dump in the corner, which I, mm, I think it's true. Yum. Soft dump in the corner. Says cohesion, camaraderie, toughness, mental and physical leadership, grit, truculence, heart. Yes, truculence. Exactly. It's a great word. Thank you, soft dump in the corner. Several $5 words. Uh, SD Deck says it's the O'Reilly effect. Teams don't seem to do well when he's there. And do seem to do well when he's not, but he's obviously been phenomenal. He drains team. teams' life force. He's, <laughs> Give me your energy. He's, he's the spirit bomb. He's the cell of this <laughs> of this organization. He's absorbing us, and he's become perfect. I but sure, the rest of us suffer. <laughs> I sure hope people watch DBZ. Please do. Jack Raspy said, <laughs> "Just a modest fan's opinion. I do not believe our problems are due to personnel for the most part, uh, but this is." We can't keep playing the same game we did in fifteen sixteen, but this is why it's most important for a coach and his staff to consistently mold an effective strategy around the players and the strengths they have at hand. Mike Yo looked at his rejuvenated roster at the beginning of the summer and attempted to recreate a style that would work for his new team. Somewhere along the way, he lost his identity, the core, this core knew, and failed to assimilate the new players. Even if Yo's master plan was fly, flawless, hypothetically speaking, our new coaching staff is far less experienced than we have had in the past, making implementation difficult. This is where I think allowing Bradshaw and Kirk Muller to lead the organization negatively affected the Blues more than we realized. Lastly, there are a few players that have been less than beneficial. Not to beat up on Allen, but I do strongly believe there are momentum-breaking saves that need to be made. His one-on-ones are horrid this season, and the save percentage speaks for itself. The coaching thing, and we talked about it last yeah. week, so we don't need to retread it too much, but it's weird to me that our whole coaching staff added up to, like, a hundred years old. <laughs> like, Mike Yo's a pretty young head yeah. coach. And then Ott and Van Ryan are both in their 30s. Maybe Van Ryan's, like, Dipped I, over into his 40s. I think they're both still 30s. Bit. Like, I think Bradshaw and Kirk Muller weren't some, they weren't coaches that we didn't like tend. Or they weren't like guys who said, all right, you can walk. I think we tried to keep them, but I yeah. think they, honest that's to God, yeah, much. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it is. I think for Muller, it was definitely that. And it was also like, because did he leave when we brought on Yo? Yeah, he was gone before that. He was gone before that. Oh, yeah, he was gone before that. So, I was going to say, because if we brought on a coach in waiting when he was still here, he should have been the coach in waiting. I think that's kind of before we even brought in Yo. I don't know how much he knew. I think he knew that with Hitchcock there another year, and maybe they were already talking about, like, oh, we're going to look for another guy, you know, internal, or, like, this was said internally. He was like, oh, I get it. Well, then I'm out. 
It's so bizarre to me that of all the people that have gotten rehashed coaching gigs lately, he hasn't been one, but maybe he's waiting for Clojure to be fired. I'm surprised Brad Shaw hasn't gotten one. He's over in Columbus yeah, that's under true. Tortorella. Some guys might just feel more comfortable as an assistant. It's possible, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think overall our coaching staff is a weakness, not just mm. the head coach position. But well, like, I think... What did Steve Otter Mike Van Ryan do to earn coaching jobs? Well, it goes back to that original point about giving alums jobs in the organization. Like, mm-hmm. Well, even Rutherford made a point of, in the last four years, we've had four different D coaches. It was Shaw, then it was Wilson, then it was Sador, and now it's Van Ryan. Mm-hmm. So, like... If you're a defenseman, I mean, you know your general rule. You know how to play hockey, but it's also kind of like, wait, I've got like three, four different coaches in the span of four years. Like, what's the message? Yeah, exactly. Um, 52 says, anyone who has connections uh, with the team is quick to defend Allen. It's the end thing right now to dump on him as his numbers are subpar. Uh, but both an article by The Athletic written by a retired defenseman and a GM, Doug Armstrong himself, are quick to defend Allen. We could have a Hall of Fame goaltender and they'd still be lit up, said Armstrong in so many words. The problem is, Yo established some systems that are frankly critically lacking. A man-on-man defense was established, which has been obsolete for 15 years. That's why it's the defense that appears to fail always. It was designed to strip the puck from the carrier as soon as possible and move it forward, but it's causing huge gaps in coverage as players chase their assignments. I agree with this. We talked about that article when it was written. I don't agree with the, you could have a Hall of Fame goaltender back there and he'd still be lit up. I know it's hyperbole, so I'm not going to try and pick it apart, but there have been plenty of Allen gaffes this season. Mm-hmm. I All I think about is that Matt Dumba goal that just literally went through the center of his mask. <laughs> like, I... I do not know how that scored a goal. Mm-hmm. He had one tonight where it trickled through the legs and he just happened to swing his front leg back around and kick it out, but I don't think he meant to, you know, mm-hmm. like But yeah, overall, I mean the man on man defense thing was a huge failure and should have been enough to get Yo fired there and there then and there. Fiondanu says no fights after whistles, no one seems to jive with anyone else on the also if I've butchered anyone's username, I'm sorry. Um no one seems to jive with anyone else on the lines unless O'Reilly is on the line. It's like none of them are playing for the team goals. Doesn't seem like leadership is motivating everyone to work together. Just my thoughts on the matter. I still have hope everything will suddenly snap back together and finish strong. Good for you. I'm glad you have hope. Uh, I-R-E Rover <laughs> says, that one I got right to Oh, I wasn't laughing Don't at laugh that. at me. <laughs> Listen says, to his accent. He says lack of a le- leadership Lack of leadership, either coaching or captaincy, it's hard to watch these guys play. Quote, unquote. Um, 10 says, I three... This kid is from the future. He was born in 2027. 10 <laughs> You don't think that was a Shen Schwartz Petrangelo? No! <laughs> was he was a thousand percent born in the future. What's it like in well, the future, baby child? Well, then have we won child? a cup in the next nine no, years? No, he came back to try and relive a <laughs> much friggin', happier past. Yeah, he's friggin' Trunks trying to come back and prevent the dark time. Oh, like. no, he's trying to kill Cell. Do it, <laughs> Trunks. You're not strong enough. You'll never do it on your own. Nobody's getting any of this. No one's but listening we love anymore. Ah, uh, he says I see. Th- I see three issues in his weird future language. 
there's three there's three androids oh, oh no, no. I'm telling you what I tell you what folks and don't tell me there's five I know there's five and there's like three in a movie I don't care we're talking about the three important ones I see the the one the big one and the hot one the yep. three important you got them I see three issues every game no net front presence D is playing man on man and chasing crappy guys into the corner crappy guys Cal Quarterbuck's there go get him <laughs> miss shots at least ten times a game I see the shooter attack and miss high from an angle aim lower and go for rebounds and third we need some some help from the wings. When big name snipers are on the ice, off puck can play the rush, but but puck side needs to drop down more and help spy these guys that can snipe corners like crazy. When your D pinches in to keep the zone, got you need to cycle and cover back for them. I've been amazed by how many of these are like very detailed analyses of like here's how the game of hockey is played, and I'm just like sell an android, <laughs> go kill cow quarterback. And you listen to me talk about yeah. hockey. Um, we bring the entertainment. We put the entertainment back in entertainment. <laughs> Strayling says the defense is atrocious and Allen lets in too many soft goals. Goaltending has always been a gigantic question mark on this team, but at least the defense was good. Now we have neither and can't win games scoring as many goals as we do on average this season. The post-game talking points make me consistently <laughs> want I think that's a pretty uh, common theme here. The post-game talking points. Oh, God, they're so bad. Um, The Earthmaster says the Blues are not bad. They are misguided. Armstrong readily admitted that Yo was supposed to provide some continuity from the Hitchcock era, which the players had no desire to continue. Yo was then surrounded by a young and inexperienced staff, most of of whose qualification stemmed from them being former Blues players, and many of whom are still working under Berube. Until we have a coaching staff in place that is experienced and knowledgeable, all of the potential on our roster will be wasted. I still think Berube can turn this around a bit. Not the problem, Doug Armstrong. Oh, excuse me. Not the problem, Doug Armstrong. Like, yikes, people. That's how that was supposed to be delivered. Um, Yeah, I, I agree with this. I think the young coaches... Here's the thing. Players at this level don't really need coaching to be like, this is how mm-hmm. you play hockey. But they do need coaching to be like, this is how we as a group are going yeah. to play <laughs> hockey. Because we can't have Steen, you know, running a 3-2 zone and Pareko playing man-to-man. And I know these are basketball terms, but you get it. You know what I'm saying. Third quarter, <laughs> so, you're in the end zone. You've scored. <laughs> you score, What's next? And you curl the puck into the rock and you do the stuff. Um, strike. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I do agree, Armstrong's really not the problem. We'll have to have a longer conversation about Armstrong on another podcast, but he's got a lot of bad. The bads are obvious. There's a lot of good there, though, yeah. too. Um, Cashin13 says, The biggest problem with this team is I don't think they play for each other. Nobody plays for Allen or Johnson, and the low slot is basically a 7-11. This team seems like 19 players and not one team. To sum up, we just need to be a team, and a trade would wake us up, but I don't know who to trade. I really would like to get rid of Steen, but his NTC makes that rough. We've had the Steen conversation already. Um... I do think these players don't seem to be a very gelled unit most yeah. of the time. Maybe Steen 
was the sacrificial lamb today that made them gel together. <laughs> we will see. Ninja Penguin Art says, simple answer, not enough gumption and grit. I'm pretty sure this is Darren Pang. <laughs> our Thanks, coach. Darren. That's why he wasn't at the game tonight. He was hanging out in our Reddit feed. Our coaching staff has motivated and supporting, as it should, with plays that are effective and easy to achieve. We need to get back to basics and get some confidence back. Confidence was a big word Craig Berube used a lot, and I agree with it. Theo Hall 65 says, Laziest transition play in the NHL following a line change uh, when the Blues defense has control in their own zone. When the Blues forwards skate into their own zone consistently to support transition and actually help the defense, the Blues win. When Blues forwards jump off the bench and stay at center ice, the Blues lose. Exactly. I agree. Yeah, that was really good. People are watching these games, I think. Uh, all the, but we'll try to remember to tweet out the link to this whole thread so you can see people's responses in full if you want to. Yeah. We have abbreviated some of these, and we're sorry to those of you. But some of you wrote short novels, which I love to read, but, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to regurgitate out loud because my throat's already giving out. Seeking Horizon says, it's the play in their own zone. Why is that says disorganized is a million-dollar question, and it has to begin with Yo's bizarre slash anachronistic man-to-man Ooh. system. He used anachronistic. That's a $10. Ding, 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 ding. That's word. the word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he said, missing both Gunny and Bortz has meant too many minutes for J-Bo and Schmaltz. Missing Steen and Schwartz hasn't helped uh, either in the back. Check. Some of the PDO numbers are eye-popping. He said this really. This was really interesting. The on-ice save percentage is below 90% for these players. Robert Bortuzzo, Alex Petrangelo, Braden Shin, Tyler Bozak, Oscar Sundquist, Alex Steen, Samuel Blay, Vladimir Tarasenko, Ivan Barbashev, and Patrick Maroon. Patrick Maroon's is at 78.2%, in which is an insane number. League average is 904, which is way down this year. I'm still not convinced that Allen is the problem. I'd like to know what percentage of goals against have come off deflection, off Blues defenders versus what number is typical for the rest of the league. Some of it's got to be dumb luck, but it's hard to keep chalking it up to luck when it happens night after night. And finally, he says, TLDR, they're playing like shit in their own zone, and there's more than one reason why. I really like that. I really appreciated the PDO numbers. That's bad. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, they're just a mess in their own zone. And their zone exits are really atrocious, too, overall. They're really bad at that. They're so slow to exit the zone. Uh, yeah. It's this really, like, long pass, slow, long pass to a guy. Like, they've already mentioned, plenty of these people have mentioned already, a non-moving forward. And yeah. it's just like, wow, we are slogging it up the yeah, ice. Yeah, for sure. Um just as an aside, I was in a baseball card shop today that sells cards of all sports, mostly baseball, obviously. Um, but there was a Is little... Is by the Panera? Yeah, it's that okay. one. It's where I got this. We won't um... tell you what Panera, <laughs> you creepy stalkers. <laughs> we even called it Panera to throw you off the scent. <laughs> that's, it may, could be maybe international. Maybe it's in Bredco, maybe it's in Tokyo. You don't know. <laughs> up to you. <laughs> anyway, they had a like they had a case of blues players cards and they had a J-Bo rookie card who looked the same with a buzz cut and they had a Patrick Maroon rookie card who looked the same with a buzz <laughs> cut. So, which he mostly has now, but uh, he has a little more hair. So his so. face has always been that way. Yes, very much so. Kind so, of cold dead eyes. Yeah. Know. Uh, joke, <laughs> Jock Yaki said, or Joke Yoki said, both goals so far on Wednesday night, he wrote this, sliding all over the place. 
I hate to be the bearer of bad news from the future, Joke Yoki, but the other two goals also bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, what what have we hear a lot? We heard goaltending a lot, mm-hmm. defense a lot, schemes yeah, a lot. Yeah, yo, defense scheme. Confidence. I think there's a lot of confidence in players not playing for each other, too. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think if you sum it up into two things, it's like poor defensive play in their own zone, like slot protection everything like that, whether it be our actual defensemen or forwards backing them up or the goalie, but also this team just not having the heart to to like push push beyond their hardships and go okay we're not so good at this now but we're gonna get better more than just saying that in the post-game press conferences Mm. and going out and doing it and showing that they're trying yeah i think if you showed that you were trying i think a lot of these things wouldn't necessarily be overlooked but they'd be like okay they'll figure it out when you see a team trying you go oh they'll figure it out but that's what's been so hard this year is they're not trying to go, oh, so next game, they're not going to have it figured out. Because they won't be trying. Yeah, if you see them trying one game, they lose, you go, okay, they're working on it. But mm-hmm. if you see one game, they're not, you go, oh, so we have another game where we lose two before they figure it out beyond this. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's what it is. Or that's where I see it. It's trying first, and then they figure out defense second, in yeah. a way. You talked about it a little bit. We talked about it in the car earlier, but like the JR comments, too, is like, there's such a big difference between a team that sucks mm-hmm. but is trying its hardest and Ottawa Senators, let's yeah. say. Like, they're working their ass off. And they're, by the way, ahead of us in the standings. But, like, the talent just isn't there. Mm. They've got Hot Sam Bacho, they've got Brady <laughs> Kachuk, and they've got no one else. <laughs> but... That versus the team that we are or have been, and you know, we're, hopefully tonight's the start of something. Back to back tomorrow, I ain't counting on it. Got to tell you, yeah, Nick Schmaltz is gonna friggin' bedevil us again. Um, <laughs> but it's just so ugly to watch a team that has the skill and just doesn't have the give a damn. Yeah, and that's what's been so frustrating about this team so far. Um, thank you. To everyone, all of you who submitted... Yes, thank you very much. I'm not kidding. If I overlooked you, please tell me. I will be happy to read it next time. There was a lot of text. It's not personal. I did not at all exclude anyone for what they said. I don't think we expected this much. I had no idea this was I really was honestly expecting like three lines for a person. Like, defense... And I don't like done. So be like, okay. we love that you're out there and interacting. That was the idea was to get more people interacting with yeah. the show. We try to do it more often. You can always send us questions during the week. We will answer them. Call um, in. Call into our hotline. <laughs> at 1-800. Uh, Crime Stoppers. Um, do we have anything else to do or say before we get out of here at the end of this two-hour-long podcast? <laughs> we had two games to cover. I mean, I'm... To, I, be, to be fair, it was an eventful it week was. in the league. No, 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 it was. And Thomas, or Thomas Shabbat, uh, Tom <laughs> Wilson had to add that little crap at the end. I'm going to say... 40 minutes of this podcast was us just talking about Tom Wilson. And that's why it wasn't an hour and 20 minutes. I don't think that's accurate, but maybe. Uh, Until next week, we should be recording on Thursday. Yep. Is there a game on Thursday? Is it? 
Maybe. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, thank you all for listening, and good night. Believe it. <laughs>